awesome. They're so awesome. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, like Warner <laughs> Brothers. <laughs> super excited about tonight. Okay, let me get this. Uh, oh, you can do voices. That's cool. <laughs> I don't. Oh, yeah. I've done a few voices, haven't I? Hmm. Are those sound bites, or are you really doing that? No, I'm actually doing that. And I do have sound bites too, but uh, yeah, I, I I could do a few voices. Yeah, maybe not tonight, but <laughs> <laughs> you never. I did do um, uh, my rendition of Kermit the other day to somebody. But, do you do? Kermit. Yeah, do you do classic like Henson Kermit or that other guy that got? Oh, fired? I do Henson. Yeah. Oh, good. Uh, Piggy, uh, that doesn't go there. <laughs> That's pretty good. I can do, uh, I can do Homer. <laughs> it's mostly reactions. Oh, yeah. It's good times. You're probably a blast on, like, long car trips. Let's just say I play a mean apples to apples. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, Cards Against Humanity is my jam. That's my big jam. Like I, I have a lot of fun with that. And the more I drink, the better I sound in my head. <laughs> I think that's probably true for everybody in the room. Everybody's drinking, you're sounding even better too. So well, and actually, that's pro- that's actually probably really true. I, in fact, one of my friends was last time was like, "You guys got to hear Adam. He's so funny when we play Cards Against Humanity." And that, that put that just puts pressure on you. You don't want that. No, that's, 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 you can only I do what you do. So, from everybody I've ever met who like does impersonations or like voices, they like started doing it when they were like really, really little. Is that true of you? <laughs> well, I think I think um, you know I I did do a lot. Of, I, I don't know. I think guys in general do a lot of sound effects. You know, they just like to make sound effects. I I, I could do a really mean fake fart. Actually. Okay, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Oh. Oh yeah, I gotta hear this. <laughs> I mean, you really got to do that. You that get, was weak. That was you got to do a, a variety, oh, like so from this. You have to do a variety, like if we like, were walking along at the mall, you would do a double, like a double, you know, check. Uh, like, <laughs> so that's a, you like do where you like walk behind people. Yeah, and that's a squirter. That rip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's the no, crop no, duster. Dude, that was a party with you. <laughs> <laughs> and and then there's the uh, here's the silent but deadly. <laughs> um, <laughs> how are you doing that? Are you using your mouth or are you doing the armpit thing? I'm using my mouth. I got it. I got this. There's no way to get my armpit close to the mic. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's right. I have a mini art gun. So. Yeah. Good to have that. You know, it's actually really fun to have a woman on the show for like for first time in like ten months. I'm pretty sure. Is it? Yeah, it, it probably is pretty neat for you guys. Um, Gotta be. I kind of figured that out that you just spent the last five minutes making fart noises, but <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You sort of you sort of encouraged us. I don't know. That's how we impress you? <laughs> no, I actually was impressed with your your <laughs> fart mimicry. It's it pretty good. <laughs> Hi ho, Kermit the Frog here. Let's so move on. <laughs> oh my! Hey, uh, you know we're doing a show tonight. I, I is there people in the chat because <clears throat> you know we're a little late. It's probably the, oh but, oh no, this is probably a good thing. <laughs> there are people in the chat. You know, it's funny. Uh, the last time I was late, 
like this, we it was another tec- technical difficulty. We didn't have that big of a problem for a long time, right? I mean, we've had a pretty good track record of starting the show. You mean with the updates, you mean with the updates on show. your computer? Yeah, well, it happens. Well, you know, I, I have, I don't even know why I did that. I should have just let it do its thing, but <laughs> you guys have no idea what I went through. I actually went down and got my other computer that was set up for this. Mm-hmm. That I retired. Um, oh, and you unretired it. <laughs> and I had it literally sitting in front of this computer. And I plugged it in, and then the in in the Apple thing finally calculated the amount of time. It said sixteen minutes to the update finishing, and then it like rebooted and it came up just in time for us to go live at seven thirty. So I think that's fine and ham dandy, right? Does everybody have sufficient beverage tonight? I actually, I actually do. I have some Cabernet here because one of you else was drinking that, and it kind of like. Yeah. Gave me the incentive, so that, that was we're me. Good. <laughs> I was like feeling very sophisticated tonight and I just had a little bit of cabernet. I I can uh, text my wife and ask her to beer me. So do it. Do you need to do it? <laughs> to beer you? Gotta get... She's going to beer you? Well that I've way, never you heard know, that before. Is this a Midwestern thing? Maybe to beer someone? Pretty sure. Midwestern, yes. Andy Baldwin just says, I just saw it on my doorstep. Dave boxes look good. I don't even know what that's about. I think Dave's shipped something, <laughs> and they're using our chat to like confirm delivery. That's funny. So we have Aaron Sanders in the chat, Dave from Buffalo. Um, Casey's already in the chat. He says, really, guys, a lady comes on the show, and you're all making fart noises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were really good ones. Like... They were really good ones, though. <laughs> Casey, you they, don't. They, they <laughs> share... <laughs> we have to stay G-rated until Kelsey puts his kids to sleep. Kelsey, that's right. So. Casey. I got to tell you this story, Cat, really quickly, so you understand. Casey Relford, one of our, our longtime listeners, thank you for listening, Casey. I must have been drunk like eight or ten times on the show, and I and I said K- Kelsey Rayford like a hundred times. Like his name is Casey <laughs> Relford, and I called him Kelsey over and over and over again. So then, uh, one of our other co-hosts, the co-host who's not on here anymore, Dan. Um, he he started calling him Kelsey too, and now so there's this running joke. Um, so, you know, we've had our, our go arounds, but Casey actually happens to be the best at one of our segments that we're going to do a little bit later, which is called, um, uh, Mark, what is it called? Uh, what's in the juke? What's in the juke? That's right. Oh, what's in the juke? Yeah. So, so it's like you, it's, I, it's like you have to identify the songs, right? You get like so many notes or whatever. And Absolutely. Just... That's, that's, All right. oh, that's how we play. I'm probably really good at this, oh, depending on what you're putting on there. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> they're all from April 1981, so hopefully uh, you... Oh, really? oh right. that's why you asked me for that date. I was wondering, <laughs> what, is he, what does he want to know that for? What? Okay, cool. And we're just trying to have a little fun tonight, you know? So, oh, you know, and, and it, by the way, you're on the, um, the ninth episode of Arcade Radio tonight. So Season two. Season two, sorry. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, we had twenty some episodes, twenty two, twenty four episodes in the first season. That was pretty good. We had a good run, and now we're on episode nine of the second season. So, in love potion number nine, whatever that is, you know, something like that. Well, I'm happy that you asked me to be here because this seems like fun. You guys are a fun group of guys, and I well, I, I think we're gonna have fun tonight. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, everybody. No, I think with that you should start the show, Adam. Let's do it. All right, here we go. All right. Live from KOYR Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota. This is Arcade Radio. Intruder alert, intruder alert. 
Hello, Arcaders, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of the Arcade Radio Podcast. Today is Thursday, February 8th, 2018, and the time is now approximately 7.39 p.m. Central. We're sorry for being late. Thanks for joining us in the Arcadosphere. This is your host, Adam Stevens, and I am joined by the formidable Mark Time Runner Shields and the guest host of Arcade Radio this week, Kat Despira. Welcome to the show. Ah, <laughs> uh, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you guys for a while. Hopefully, we can get a little crazy, have a little bit of fun, and yeah, keep people entertained. I like it. I like it. So, <laughs> the first section uh, of the show, the first warm up, if you will, is to say, "Hey, welcome to the show, and what's new with you?" So, um, uh, Mark, why don't you tell us what's you know, as an example to our guest, what you are working on right now. Okay, I uh, sometime on Saturday morning, I decided I wanted to take the Nintendo Heliflyer side art that's only ever been seen on a flyer and turn it into actual full-blown side art with all detail. And so uh, through Saturday through Monday, I took some of the elements I'd created for the marquee and I did it. It's done. I sent it to this awesome. old game. And um, so hopefully... That will be that'll be kind of cool to have something that you know just never got produced. Good old Rich uh, to put on the side of the Hellfire. Yeah, I think he, I think Rich oh, so likes you're, working. You're making a whole new. I'm sorry. Don't you're go making ahead. Making a whole new game. No, Nintendo released uh, this game called Hellfire. It was back in that Space Demon, Space Firebird era. Sort they, of a Space Invaders a clone. Of, yeah, it's kind of like that, except for that you're uh, you're a submarine shooting up at helicopters. And it's it's just a lesser known Nintendo game before they uh, you know hit it big with Donkey Kong. Kind of like Sky oh, Skipper. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> Sky Skipper. I, Whitney Whitney Roberts and his crew did a little thing. We're trying to get him. I think he's supposed to be on the show next week. That'd be awesome. Yeah. But yeah, Hellfire. Uh, uh, very, he's the guy that did Sky Sky Skipper. Skipper. Yeah, right. yeah. 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 Yeah, so I found a Nintendo Hellfire cabinet last year. It looks like other Nintendo cabinets, except for the sides are slanted. They didn't do the curve around the control panel until a little bit later. And I think there's about four of these cabinets on the Earth. Yeah. That's, so, oh, wow. It's pretty, I'd like to see pretty, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm not even familiar like with that. That'd be awesome. All right. Um, and then uh, and I had an Asteroids pickup today. I got one for like 97 bucks. I'm, I'm, I'm doing math. <laughs> that was a score. First quarters. I hate you, Mark. Sorry. It's There's playing. quarters in it. Were they old quarters or new quarters? <laughs> I, I have not dated them, but I usually do that to see like oh you my know, gosh. what's the oldest or the newest quarter that's in the machine. I love that. I love yeah. that you guys do that too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think everybody does that because everybody wants to know when was the last time that that thing was actually on site. And right. And, and doing what it was supposed to do. Oh, it's Every, funny because I, I do. It had like a little log that somebody had kept of testing the yeah. machine. Like they always put in two credits, played two test games, and I, I guess they played two two player to make sure the two oh, star buttons worked. That's awesome. So weird. Yeah, it is awesome. All that's right, very well, cool. I, I always like to let the guests go next. Now I'd just like you to briefly introduce yourself and give us a little bit of what you might be working on. But keep in mind we're going to do a little interview later, so you know we're we'll more to talk about. <laughs> Well, I'm Kat Desphere. I'm a writer. I do a lot of historical researching on the culture and the background of uh, classic arcade culture, you know, games, um, what was happening in America at the time that influenced the production of games, things like that. What I'm working on right now is uh, going back in time through newspaper clippings, uh, industry newsletters, and kind of compiling information about 
uh, the asteroids marathoners back in the day. Um, there was a lot going on with that, that that I didn't even realize until recently, like groups getting together and playing like four and five day marathons, things like that. And um, I haven't like got to the end of the project yet. I've just kind of started it a few months ago, but I, I'm pretty happy with what I'm finding, like uh, lost champions, um, just events that happened that never really got documented that much. And I think it'll, ha- it'll help uh, flush out kind of the history behind Asteroids, because that was a huge title back in the day. It was. That's I, what I'm doing. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, welcome to Cat. <laughs> welcome to the show, Cat Despira. So, um, uh, what I'm working on, you guys, I, I, I had a bad weekend. Oh, I really. Oh. Tell us your story. Who oh. who hurt you? Who touched you in the bad place? Oh my God. <laughs> who touched you? Yeah. <laughs> Let me just tell you. Let me just tell you. Super Bowl Sunday. I'm supposed to go to a friend's. Um, you know, they just they just are they're um, empty nesters. They're moving out. They're getting a condo. They got a nice little party room. They invited us. And I had another set of friends down the road that invited us too. And I thought, oh, you know, I'm not really big into the Super Bowl, but whatever. You know, really enjoy that. <clears throat> And I, I was going to have lunch with a buddy of mine, and we we're going to go um, looking for, you know, you know, use tools and guy stuff, you know. And I walked out, and I decided I w- I'm going to go down and do a few things to the um, Mr. and Mrs. Pack, because I'm still working on that thing, trying to get it dialed in exactly how I want it. Go down the stairs, turn to the right, and there's about um, four feet of water on the floor Ooh. coming out of my oh. my uh utility room and uh <clears throat> so my first thought is oh shit the uh the sump pump uh-huh. is probably gone and maybe maybe there was a no it's too cold i don't know what's going turn the corner i got monaco gp mrs pac-man ms i'm sorry ms mm-hmm. pac-man i've been working on the pin too long sorry ms pac-man <clears throat> Robotron, Joust, and Defender in that room. I call it the Williams room because most everything in there is Williams. <clears throat> I turn the corner. There's a, a good stretch of four by two puddle on the floor, and I look up oh, at the ceiling, and there's this bulge of wet <gasps> hanging down, and there's water uh, dripping on the diamond plate of my Monaco GP Mini, and I'm getting a little oh. bit nervous. <clears throat> I went and grabbed a bucket. I cut a hole in the in the ceiling, and four gallons of water came out. Oh! The the water line to my refrigerator broke and had been leaking uh. down the quarter-inch copper tube all the way down into the basement <clears throat> ceiling and collecting above on the ductwork and then dripping down. And I started cutting away and cutting away the ceiling. And I ended up having to pull both Defender and Joust out of the room and Thankfully, not a drop of water damaged any one of the machines. And my Robotron right now is missing its legs because of an incident where I was moving it around and I had to take them off. So it was sitting wood to the ground on the on the vinyl and it didn't have any water on it. Thank God. And so I started cutting and cutting and I got all the games out and I cut I cut away the... I ended up cutting about two, two feet wide by about four, four to six feet long. A whole lot of my ceiling because it was all wet. And uh, eventually, we, we we did a bunch of work. We've you know put a wireless endoscope up there and used our technology to find out where the leak was coming from. What do you from... use this endoscope for normally? I would like to know that. <laughs> uh, colonoscopies, regular, you know, say, <laughs> colonoscopies, you know. Yeah. But in general, 
But, so, so, but <laughs> I'm just an I'm an amateur colonoscopy. Oh, you know, I'm, a, I'm an amateur. Um, what do you call those guys? Gastroenterologist. Sure. So, um, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> you're a butt man. I get well, it. I'm it's a okay. butt man. Yeah, butt man. <laughs> so anyway. Things, uh, yeah, no damage games. <laughs> My tears are drying now. David from Buffalo says, "Oh, <laughs> Randy, you got lucky on that one. You did. I mean, seriously." Yeah. Oh. Randy Gelking in the chat says, "My kids aren't home. Swear away." <laughs> oh, yeah, it could. It could be. It could be that kind of show tonight. We should maybe give a warning. You know, there could be some. Language. So, um, you guys say fuck on this show? <laughs> now we do. <laughs> we that, wow. We, hey, might as well keep the door open, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, we, so we, yeah, so that was what my weekend was, was clearing that. But it, and I, I did pick up an Apple 2C bundle and played some Miss Pac Man the other day on my Apple 2C. Other than that, the, that's kind of, that's kind of what I've been working on, you know? Sorry. <laughs> I knew he was gonna do it. That's the I kind of sh- that's the kind of show there. it's gonna be. I could just tell, you know. Oh my gosh. Oh. Okay. okay. It's the arcade news <laughs> with Adam Stevens. <laughs> Well, you guys, today we have some breaking news, and I think maybe most of you probably already heard it tonight, but we feel like we need to actually uh, discuss this at, at, at some level, I think. Um, and it, it actually wasn't the reason why I called Kat in the first place, but she uh, actually has written an article about it. And Kat, why don't you give your website at this point just really quickly? Oh, I'm Retro Bitch. You can't miss it. You just type in Retro Bitch, two words, and boom, pops up. There you go. <laughs> hey, and it's a WordPress There's site. One. She's it's a fantastic... One. You are. By the way, you're. I'm just going to interject this right now. You're a fantastic blogger. You, you have a, a, a well-written site. You're a great journalist. I, I really enjoy the work that you've done. And so um, that's one of the reasons I wanted you on the show. Um, I've seen you around the the groups, and uh, I've I, I've been wanting to reach out for, to you for a while. So thanks for being on the show. No, thanks for that. I really appreciate that. Thank you. This is fun. <laughs> so uh, this is our one news item via DK forums and multiple outlets, including PC Gamer, Ars, and Kotaku, many, many, many others. Um, uh, Billy Mitchell's score. Uh, uh, Donkey Kong scores are under a little scrutiny. So former reigning Donkey Kong world champion Billy Mitchell has come under scrutiny this week for allegedly lying about his high score submissions. Um, a detailed post on DK forums outlined in the um, all in detail the case for the removal of Billy Billy's scores from the forums. Now, uh, DK forums moderator and scoreboard maintainer uh, Jeremy uh he goes by Zelnia. Also opened a grievance with Twin Galaxies back in August of 2017 regarding this very subject. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, Young presents some rather damning video evidence suggesting that three million plus point scores presented. A th- I'm sorry, three one million plus point <laughs> scores <laughs> because we all know who submitted the three million point score. So, uh, excuse me. So. Anyway, <laughs> three one million plus point scores presented by Billy Mitchell were set were possibly set using MAME. This is, of course, 
somewhat disturbing to the arcade community considering Mitchell himself once refereed for Twin Galaxies and has been a staunch voice um, for supporting only submissions performed on original hardware. So um, two more quotes and then we'll discuss from the DKForum.com. In light of the evidence presented here, I am removing Billy Mitchell's current score of 1,062,800 from the Donkey Kong Forum high score list. This score will be replaced by his live score of 933,900 performed at the Midwest Gaming Classic on May 7, 2004. The score was performed in public and was witnessed by at least one TG member as well as Dwayne Richard. <clears throat> Another quote. Twin Galaxies. This is from Twin Galaxies. Twin Galaxies is in the process of fully reviewing the compelling evidence provided by Jeremy Young to, the, to support his current score dispute case against Billy Mitchell's Donkey Kong score. Twin Galaxies went on to say <clears throat> um, that we will do this thoroughly and impartially, and in the meantime, we'll continue to observe this discussion by experts in the community, and we'll also examine any further evidence that may be provided during this review period. We're taking this matter quite seriously. Who the hell is Jeremy Young? <laughs> I have no idea. I, he's Never a Donkey Kong him. player. I, I would assume. Yeah, he's, I see his name around um, the Donkey Kong Forum. Um, they have more members than I think TG has. So they're a huge yeah, they're big, group yeah. of guys that have come together to really explore Donkey Kong, its history, its possibilities. They've like pushed the game further than anybody ever has in the history of even playing that game. I think... I give them credit for this. That if it weren't for the fact that they were playing this game, I don't think anybody would even play that game. Not that it's a bad game, but back in the day, it was made for kids, and and the kids grew up, you know, and they still loved it. But it didn't really appeal to, you know, the kind of um, player that would, you know, carry it on for years and years and years, like Asteroids or Defender or something like that. Right. So they've kind of like been responsible solely for preserving, you know, its um, its culture. I give him credit for that because that's pretty neat. That's cool. Um, Sozilnia is a guy who, who um, he seems very technically savvy. I read his report on Billy Mitchell's um, uh, debacle, I guess you could call it, and and found it very well researched and exquisitely written. So it's very compelling. Um, it's very compelling evidence. And and just let me very, just, let me describe very briefly what we're talking about, uh, and then we'll comment. So um, uh -huh. the. Uh, the evidence that was produced, if you haven't been there, first of all, find the DK forums. Uh, you can go to donkeykongforum.com, and you'll probably find it as the top, um, the top uh, post. But there is side-by-side um, -side evidence submitted of <clears throat> Billy Mitchell potentially using MAME. And the reason why for this is, is that when the original hardware draws the screen, it draws it from right to left in a single bar, if you will, across... Uh, the screen and when MAME uh, draws the screen it sort of puts things up in splotches so for instance if you're on the um, the pie level as I call it or the uh, cement factory level it will draw the ladders first and then put up in splotches the different parts of the screen that's MAME you know multiple and those arcade are, those are machine screen transitions like when you go from correct. how high can you get until the next screen gets drawn for the first time correct yeah so exactly so in between screen transitions and what these gentlemen have done is taken the the submissions from billy mitchell's i almost called him billy idol billy mitchell's <laughs> um billy mitchell's uh video submissions and compared them to how mame draws 
um, the screens and so and how the original hardware does as well and so they what they found is or what they think is happening is that um these possibly were performed these the last few scores of his over the last 10 years um have possibly been performed in mame because they tend to match the patterns of how mame would draw the screen does that is that pretty clear yeah okay yeah so uh you you guys in I know you guys in the chat have been following it this week so feel free to chime in uh, as we comment but um I'd like to open it up to cat uh, it's just uh I mean I know you just uh sort of a, you've had a we've had a couple of weeks of this problem yeah and, but I think she has new news from today oh my goodness let's let's hear you want to hear news from today? Yeah, what's well, I the saw something kind of interesting. I saw something. No, this is like not gossip. This is what I actually saw in a video online today. Um, Billy Mitchell, as you know, his score is, is being disputed. Uh, it looks like Mame to me, but there are reasons that he did that that haven't been explored. So I'd rather like not actually say that he cheated because they're I still agree. investigating that, right? They're investigating that and, and, like there might be a, a viable reason why he had Mame there because we haven't heard that. I've seen him evade exactly. that question though, and I think the evasion is very telling. But still, you can't really say someone cheated until you've actually really heard their story behind it. Um, having right. been a, I mean, be a uh, having been a person who's been caught in like situations where people thought something, and I've never been given the voice to to actually say my side of it, I can kind of sympathize with them on that. So it's kind of scary when you have the whole world coming at you and saying, you did this, you did that. And every time you open your mouth to kind of explain your side of it, someone's interjecting. And that's kind of what's happening with him. So let's not call him a cheater really yet. It's so a- he probably did. but no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and that's, that's the thing. As a, as a good journalist, but today you, I w- you have to... Exp- but today, Go ahead. I was, uh, someone queued me up to a, a video that his friend Triforce had put out. Triforce Johnson is a guy that ran a very cool uh, gaming league called Empire Arcadia, and I think he still does. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. But he put a video out where he kind of called out the Donkey Kong Forum uh, and its champion players, saying that he had his friend had evidence of them cheating, and if they didn't keep their mouth shut, he was going to, about Billy Mitchell, that he was going to release this uh, truth bomb that would, like, pretty much blow them up and decimate all their scores and, and uh, uh, prove them as cheaters. And right. I thought that that was kind of a strange thing to do if you were trying to help your friend, you know, keep his credibility up. The last thing you want to do is go out into the community and, <laughs> and uh, kind of extort, the, you know, silence from people by, you know, making them afraid to say anything. And I thought that was really odd. And he put that post up on Twin Galaxies Forum in the dispute section that's just, you know, uh, disputing Billy Mitchell's score. Yeah. I, I, you should check it out because it's, it's, it's pretty odd. That yeah. was the new thing for today. Well, we'll have to check that out. I yeah. hope that made sense. I mean, it, I hope that made sense. So it, it, it did, it did. Um, and then last week, uh, God bless him. Todd, Todd Rogers. We had on the show. Love, I love the guy. He's, uh, Oh, he was on here. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great guy. Um, we, we but, uh, he came in under scrutiny last week, and, and Guinness actually pulled his record, and they pulled all of his records from from Twin Galaxies. 
they did. He couldn't provide any evidence that he achieved the 5.5 win. Right. Uh, was it 5.5? Yeah. So it's like, and, and I, you know, my heart wants to say, you know, look, there must have been either, either you remembered wrong, dude, or, or the hardware itself uh, was different. Now, I, I know that um, Ben Heck recently did the, the test and he had a Atari Jr. that he took apart and then he put a, together a control board and ran tests with Todd in the room. And That was the worst Ben Heck video ever. <laughs> oh, do, do I, tell, I don't think, go I, ahead. Personally, go ahead. I think Ben Heck did not prove anything because he just did a sloppy job of capturing the, you know, the touch points that Todd uses. I mean, like you don't ask somebody, describe to me in words how you play this game so well. Yeah. It's, it was really a weird video. I didn't quite get that. Well, I mean, sorry, I didn't either. Like, actually, to be honest with you, yeah. I didn't get that video either. I thought, I thought it was unnecessary. I, if I can speak about the Todd Rogers thing, go ahead. I'm not gonna, I, I don't, I'm not gonna beat the guy up. I actually don't think he got to 5.51. But here's where I actually find the actual error in that whole debacle that went on. Yep. I think it was very negligent of TG Twin Galaxies to drag that on and drag him through the dirt. Mm -hmm. He might have made a legitimate mistake when he was a kid and just kept going with it. Yeah. I know that I know that other people at Twin Galaxies over the years helped him keep that going. Yeah. And so I found it really strange that they used him and the shame that they were heaping upon him day by day by day by day to increase their traffic. I lost a tremendous amount of respect for them doing that, and I don't think that I'll ever get back regardless of whether he falsified or embellished something. Right. They really had no right to do that to him. And I think that they, I think they threw a lot of shade in all of us because kind of all of us are Todd Rogers in a way. We're always trying to achieve something or, or, be, or stand for something. Mm -hmm. and, and regardless of if he cheated or not, he's still the guy that was in the magazines back in the day that inspired all of us to be better. Yeah. So oh, he didn't really I, lose everything because I think that a lot of people love him. Uh -huh. I know for myself, I actually cried over what happened to him because it just seemed so tragic. Yeah. It just really did. Well, and he, he's, I mean, you've met him. We've met him. We, it's hard when. He's a good guy. Yeah. When yeah, he's a good guy. When your friend, and I believe that he believes that he got this score, and I, I know that he's as, as perplexed as everyone else is about the, the recent findings, but it is still, so let's, let's just shift it a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about the effect of um, lying on the arcade community. Um, so There's a lot of it, yeah, and and, and, and I'm surprised everybody was anybody was even surprised. Well, it has it's been going on for a long time, you know. Um, and, right. Um, yeah. If I may, it has Go been ahead. going on for a long time, but it hasn't really been the players that have done the embellishing. Mm -hmm. It hasn't. Twin Galaxies has spent a lot of energy embellishing the histories of its players. And that started back in the day. They might have been great players and just astounding players for the time. But as time went on, layers have been added. And if you do research like I do, you see that. That the layers have been added to get newspaper articles, to get you know recognition in a certain community for, to support a certain agenda. You see this. And the players really have no choice but to kind of go along with it. I think that happened with Todd Rogers. I think that's happened with Billy Mitchell. I think that's happened with a lot of these guys. So when we start pointing fingers and calling people cheaters, which I've done, I've called them cheaters, yeah. you kind of have to look who's standing behind them and pushing that embellishment because it's not just them. Right. 
Well, and, and, um, it, it's a messy situation. I personally, I find it, it, is. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. I find right. it a lot like politics. You know, nobody wants to discuss the current political climate. And, and, and right now th- this has created sort of a, a political environment within the arcade community, you know? And so it's, it's, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. And, and from someone who is not going to ever set one of those high scores, like I love restoring the games. I love playing the games. I'm terrible at them. I'm terrible at them. I love playing them. And I love the feeling I get when I walk downstairs and I flip on all the games and they, they word a life. But what, what I, I love that. Yeah, I know. Isn't it so awesome? And, and you, uh, but yeah, I, you know, these guys, um, for many collectors sort of inspired them, you know, and, uh, while I was collecting well before, um, you know, King of Kong was released and all that sort of thing. It's it probably fueled the fire, you know, to some degree. Um, and, and, and each time I've met one of the world record holders that, uh, we've, we've had on the show, I've been, uh, you know, reverent, you know, I, I appreciate what they've done, but there is a, a dichotomy, you know, there is a difference, uh, in, in the communities, you know, and, and there's the people that restore and collect and want to preserve the history. And then there's the guys that are in the spotlight setting these scores on games, you know, that may or may not have collections. And Tony Temple, we, you know, Kat, you and I talked about this before you were on the show. And uh, he's one of the rare cases where he not only holds a world record, but he's a collector and also a journalist. You know, preserving. Yeah, he's my boy. I love him. That's my guy. I I love Tony. (laughs) Tony, Tony's a huge like inspiration to me. He's the one that got me to set up a blog. I finally did it, and then I then he wasn't doing it, and I said, "No, you need to do it too because because if I'm doing it, you got to do it." And then he set his up, and we write about totally different things. We have a totally different language, totally different feel, totally different agenda. But I, I love what he does. His arcade raid things. Every time he publishes one, I gotta look at that because I know I'm gonna see cool pictures. Of, They're so cool. Of games that that we don't have over here, all all like ripped up, and then next week or a month down the road, I'm gonna see it put back together. I love him. He's great. <laughs> well, and uh, you know, I'm not trying to stroke anybody's ego here, but one of the reasons why I love what you and Tony do is because I can go to your websites and I I read really well written articles and i get to see these photos that i would never otherwise have found i think it's totally rad i love it oh yeah thanks he and i like we i don't know how he finds his i know how i find mine it, I, I think his is just as hard as you know work as, as mine is finding them i mean it takes hours sometimes to find just one decent one that nobody's seen <laughs> we like scour for that stuff we do so yeah that's cool that you appreciate it because it's a lot of work and sometimes you don't feel like you're appreciated for it. Not that I do it for appreciation. I really don't. I kind of do it because I feel like I'm saving something that, you know, might get lost. Right. No, I think, I know, know it's so romantic, huh? but what, <laughs> what it I, is. I think there's a little, we just talked about this. We're all, we all have a little bit of arcade archeologist in us, right? We, we pick those coins out you of the bottom of the machine yeah. and you want to know what year that. they were. My, ju- my jukebox, I, it's a night built in 1975. It's a Rockola 460. You know, oh, I have one, a Rockola Princess. I, and I, and so when I pulled, it, when I got it home, the first thing I did is, you know, took it apart and, you know, cleaned it out. And at the bottom, there was a half dollar and like six quarters. 
and they were all pre-1976. Oh, my God. See, I saved that stuff. Like, you got to hold it in your hand. You almost feel like the era, you know? I know. <laughs> it's cool. I, know. I love it. I know. I totally know what you mean. So, I mean, and to have that connection to that time period, I mean, I was four years old, you know? <laughs> so, but but the, the whole point is, is that you have that connection to the machine. I think every one of us, you know, Casey Relford in the chat says, chicks bring ratings. So apparently we're doing really well tonight, what? which is great. <laughs> There's 24 of them. What did he say? What did he say? Chicks do what? They bring ratings. Yeah. You just. You, oh, probably. We have a lot of Probably. A lot, a lot of listeners. Well, in arcade, you don't, you don't ever hear from women. Um, at our, I mean, let's face it. In the arcade scene, women are usually standing by the game while the guy plays holding the coach. You don't meet. <laughs> or for some reason, we've never been able to see or hear from women who actually live amongst these things, know about these things, love these things. You always hear about the women who hates the guy that's into the gaming or whatever. Yeah. When 50% of the population are women who game, there are so many women collectors. We just don't hear from them. I don't know why. So you guys got to change that. I, yeah, I think it's I'm going to be on you to change that. I'm going to be on you to change that. That's good. That's good. I'm going to send them to you. candidates. <laughs> We actually do. Cool. You know, it's really interesting because I, I think the more I was just telling Mark, you know, like a week ago, I mean, or two weeks ago, I'm like, we we need we have a distinct lack of women in this show. <laughs> we need to change that. It's like a sticks concert. Oh wait, no, does that mean sticks? <laughs> <laughs> sticks concert? It's yeah. a sausage party? <laughs> Dude, are they still doing shows? I mean, no way, really. Yeah. No. Pretty sure oh, they are. Wow. <laughs> uh, Wait, who sings Tom Sawyer? That's not sticks. Oh my gosh, it? we just had That's a bunch. Rush, man, Rush, Rush rocks, man. Don't be dissing Rush here. No. no, I love Rush. Rush well, is killer. I've seen Rush like so many times. Oh my god! But I was at a Rush show in Philly once, and I swear it was right like, on. It was a man fest. I, oh know, yeah, all up front. It's all dudes. <laughs> right. I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta do is call out to some new people in the chat. Marky Dekeel. I don't know who that is. Uh, I know Mark Keel, Marky Ross, Mark, Marky. That's a Donkey Kong champion right there. Donkey awesome. Kong Jr. right there. He says, "I'm that guy's awesome." He says, "I am here for chat." And then we have Tidy or Titty. <laughs> Not really sure what's going titty, on. Titty, it could be Titty. Knowing if I'm on the air, you get all kinds of weirdos in the chat. T i d d y. He says, "Oh my God, heart shape for you." Uh, we got uh, J- <laughs> Jason. Jason Horner jumped into the chat. He's like Titty. Uh, stinks to stink, <laughs> and we got oh, no. stinks to stink. Dave from Buffalo. Oh, of course, Dave. Dave's our guy. No, he's a regular. Randy's in here, so this is this is awesome. Yeah, no, cat cat won't chat. We got we're got we got her back. We're we're we're, we're here for her. So, you guys, whatever you want to say. I can't do the chat. I get so many weirdos. I love that they love me. God, <laughs> guys, get a better vocabulary or something. <laughs> Come up with something new. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> So I do have, I, on a serious note, I just want to say, um, on the on the subject of the, of this cheating thing, um, just your. Oh fi- yeah, we got to get back to this. Your, we got to talk your, about this. Your final thought on how it affects the community, cat? Uh, why don't you go go ahead? Me? You want me to fix the community? I tried for a few years before I gave up, but um, <laughs> oh wow! How, how does it how does it affect the, the community? Well, the community is like there's so many different things. It's the collectors; they don't need to be fixed. They're all good. We all fight, <laughs> get mad at each other. We're all friends, and I stay. Um, <laughs> that's true, isn't it? I you think know, it is. Really, we're all in it for the same thing. I think no matter is. how many differences we have, we're all here to preserve these things, and it's all good. With the scoreboard, oh man, that's a big undertaking. Um, I think, uh, oh geez, I don't know how to fix that. That's why I don't 
belong to that community. Um, <laughs> it has so many great things going for it, though. So I think that in the end, I'll all work it out. Um, hats off to the Donkey Kong Forum for coming, you know, to the rescue and fixing this situation with Billy Mitchell. Um, I know you guys will work it out. I'm going to sit over here and probably um, hope you do it soon. Um, <laughs> fix other things in the community. I don't know what you guys mean by that, really. It's well, for, um, what I'm, I'm really, I'm what I'm most frustrated about, and, and maybe Mark, you, you, you go ahead and say what you were going to say, Mark. Go ahead. Well, the, I don't think you can't, you can't fix uh, a community that's a conglomeration of people who have different reasons just like cat was saying earlier some of the yeah people, that's what i was trying to say yeah mm -hmm. i mean i mean if you want to just say all the purists all the purists who like their cabinets you know patinaed you know let's put them in a little group and then let's <laughs> put the purists, the purists <laughs> that like to restore just tea molding let's put them in a group you know and then so you, you'd have to fix those if you had if i mean really do they need fixing no but it's not really you know, and inside of those groups, there's, you know, random people. It's like being at the grocery store. Everybody has to shop for food, but they're all like, there's weirdos in there. <laughs> there are weirdos. So, you know. I'm We're all weirdos. We live in houses with tons of arcades and we have double car <laughs> garages packed to the bridge. We're all weirdos. I mean, don't fool anybody or we wouldn't be here. Oh, I wish hey? I had a garage that was closed. Uh, I have a carport. <laughs> Awful. Oh, man. It, it, wherever you can stack them, it works. So it doesn't matter. I know. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Please oh, continue. No. no, that's that's how it is. On you know, we're audio <laughs> yeah, yeah. only, so it's like yes. just talk over each other. Who yeah, gives that's a shit? fine. Dude. You know, whatever. Shout over me if you need to. I, I'm <laughs> I'm totally cool with it. It will not be offended. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. So, um, I you know, maybe we're. I don't know about you guys, but I've heard a lot about this this week. You know, the Donkey Kong thing with yeah, Mitchell. Todd Rogers. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of like, let's let it shake out. It's, you know, there's more, and you'll see more of them, I would assume. And here's why. Okay. Because they're all part of a link of a chain. Oh. Um, it's Todd. You come on, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I always get. I always have to be the bad guy because I'm always going to be the one that's going to say we got, something. You're the person with the I information. That, you're the person I, with the information. That's why you're people, on the show. I, there are so many. I'm the one that that gets <laughs> stuck riding the white elephant. You know how they have yeah, that white yeah. elephant. You know you hear about that in the room. Well, I'm the person riding that one usually. Okay. So it's like, um, yeah. No. There's more. You, there's They're more. all part of a link of a chain because they were created long ago, and so you're going to see that. You're going to see one get caught or one get accused and, and caught. Yeah. And then you're going to see, you know, a crowd of people, you know, seek satisfaction out of being the, the white elephant killer, I guess. And then you'll see copycats where people will start outing other people who are probably legitimate score holders, but that's a problem with what they're doing at twin galaxies is rather than taking care of this internally and with dignity, they're allowing a, a kind of a mob to take control. Yeah. And even though, I would say that a lot of the mob has the right idea and they're actually correct in what they're saying. I think the way they're going about it is completely an error and I wish that they would just stop. I agree. I think there should that, be a rule that twin, says... Twin Gallic... Go ahead. Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Well, I think there should be a rule that says everything from before this date is grandfathered in. It doesn't matter if it was real or not. We will, we will include it as a part of our history and heritage. Yes you want to submit new scores, you know, you have to follow these. Yes. Rules. 
and these guidelines because um, they didn't have them before. How can you retroactively apply yeah, that, anything? That pisses anything? me off too because the rules have changed. They've cha- like regularly. Everything's changed. It's yeah. not even the same society anymore. When Chase Hall bought Twin Galaxies, I was friends with him at the time, mm-hmm. and um, I was kind of privy to a lot of things that were going on when it was exchanging hands from uh, Walter Day to him. And one of the things that he and I talked about was I had told him, you know, you're going to have a lot of problems when you get to the scoreboard and you start, you know, getting modern guys or new guys coming in trying to beat some of these scores. So what you should do is you, you should separate it, have a classic division with the old scores and preserve your history and just kind of start anew. And he was like, why, do, why would I want to do that? And I just told him flat out, I said, you've got scores in there that are fake. You've got scores in there that were entered in correctly. You have scores in there that just have a lot of problems that are going to cause problems for you down the road. And he didn't really believe me. Well, look what we have here. And I'm not the only one who told him that. I think a lot of people did. I, I would assume that they would have. But um, I think that you're right, that he needs to grandfather some and kind of, you know, split it into a different section and just kind of carry on. Otherwise, he's going to be caught in an endless loop of disputes and the community is just going to be fractured and damaged even more. Ah, that's a bummer. It's a... But here, <laughs> I know that sounded really dismal. I, I wish I could end it on a high note, no, but I, but I really here, can't. Here, I well, here's the high note, and you mentioned it earlier. You know, there's always okay, a, cool. There's Someone's a, got one. There, there's always a high note. I, I think the high note is, you know. Oh, sorry. I think the high note is, is <laughs> exactly. Is a Mel Brooks movie, <laughs> movie but <laughs> I think that it's that we are, um, you know, well, first of all, that everybody that's in this this chat and everybody's on this 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 uh, little thing that we're doing tonight we're we're all collectors we're all people trying to figure out how to make this stuff happen there's some of us that are are going for high scores and whatnot that's awesome do it do it up do it right you know get your stuff documented whatever but the greater community of collectors i think is um can be unscathed by this we have to kind of forge on and just be who we are be like honest to each other i don't know sounds kind of yeah yeah sounds kind of saccharine but it's the truth you know we just got well, it's the truth. Go ahead. I think um, I always had a greater time uh, with arcades when I wasn't paying attention to the high score world. It's like mm-hmm. kind of everything <laughs> kind of stressful and, and at times very negative in my life happened because I got in kind of <laughs> enveloped in that high score scene. And I'm not saying that they're negative at all. I just said for me and my perception of it and how I reacted to certain things, you know, weren't always like the best place for me to be i'm happier when i'm you know in a room with arcades me too. Like, and i'm like doing whatever with them playing with them researching them just chilling with them that's my place and i need to stay there and i think that that you kind of talking to you guys kind of reaffirmed that for me tonight which thank you for doing that because yeah. i kind of realized oh. that i need to get back more to that and there, not there, there's concentrate more more on this other stuff that yeah. I just don't even and want to deal with. There is so much more to <laughs> to what you have to offer at, at Retrobitch than than simply uh, the unfortunate news of possible cheating. You know, so uh, people yeah, people you're right about that. You, you know, are so right about that because it, you can get caught in that loop, and that's yeah. that loop I'm talking about. Uh-huh. It, it that's that twin galaxies that's never going to stop. And oh, if you're paying attention to it, you're never going to stop. You're going to keep caught in that loop, that little tide pool that keeps pulling you down and down. Faux yeah, show. Faux good. show. By the way, we have a, a few <laughs> comments in the chat I just want to read through here. Uh, <laughs> this is funny. I hope it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> good, yeah. I mean, this is, no, this is me, serious like, stuff. <laughs> this is great. You better be careful. 
<laughs> so uh, Dave from Buffalo says, cheaters are no good. And then Jason Horner says, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to bring up something about that cheating thing, too. I'm finding out, I found out something else today about that, mm-hmm. that there's a lot of um, players today that use, like, modified buttons and joysticks. And I wasn't aware of that because back in the day, like, just even back in the day, like, 10 years ago, no, you couldn't do that. That was like an automatic DQ. But from what I understand is that's kind of the norm now. So that complicates the whole Billy Mitchell thing, too. They're going after him for the MAME, which I I agree. It's like if you're playing MAME and telling people you're playing an arcade, you're a cheater. But we don't know they did that that he did that. We're, I'm just saying that. But also, <laughs> if you're playing with modified buttons and a joystick, yeah. well, that's not cool either. I mean, no, so no, that's not. what I mean about this endless loop about yeah. who's cheating and who's legitimate because it sounds to me like nobody is. So maybe, so maybe before we go into the next segment, which I think some of the listeners are really excited about because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be what's in the juke coming up here in a little bit. But uh, one of the things I think that, uh, that sort of set the bar for high score hold, uh, no, record um, competition was in King of Kong when there was this whole big thing about, oh my God, Steve Webb is not using original hardware. Oh, well, let's go into his garage and find out what's going on. And there's all this weird stuff happening, you know, because people really do feel passionate about, hey, look, if you're going to play the games, play the games, play them on their original hardware, play them the way they were designed to be played. No. Well, I agree with that. You know? And I totally agree. I think, I think all of us watching it were like the same, you know, we had the same feeling. And one of the reasons Billy Mitchell was vilified is because he wouldn't play the damn original game in public, you know, against Steve. And, you know, so, but all throughout the, the film, there was the feeling that if you're going to compete at that level, you have to play on the original hardware. And I think that's, that's what has to happen. And there needs to be validation and there needs to be, you know, people recording legitimate scores and showing what's going on with their hands. And, you know, that's, I the, agree. The, that's, I agree. that's the world we live in. So, you know, I guess that's my, my kind of my final thought on that. I don't know um, what you guys uh, feel about it, but I don't want to one final thought. on. I have Go a ahead. final thought on that. Mm-hmm. What you just described about playing live and, and having everyone see, see what you do on the original hardware. Yeah. I have to point out that the, the precedent for that ended with Billy Mitchell because mm-hmm. he didn't do that. True, and that kind of became the norm. He did that, and then I watched that happen in the community. Well, in he the in the that, movie, it, it happened. Kinda, it in the movie, set to in the movie, he brings a video cassette, and now they're and now they're yeah. bitching about it. Right, it's funny. It's <laughs> it is I'm a little like, bit. You weird. guys started this. You guys, you guys created this this example. Right, and even though what he did was wrong. You're you're holding that as a gauge to others who have done it, and now you're calling them all che- cheaters. So I, yeah, it's a trip. I think a, it's like I I don't want to take that trip. You know, I want to get off that train because yep, it's I, not a fun place to be or even ponder because it's just going to get uglier and uglier because there's no end in sight. No, and I think a real winner will will get up off his feet and compete again. You know, so let's just do that. You know, let's let's make it happen. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, make it happen. Just, yep. So I agree, Mark. And now some levity uh, at the <laughs> going back to the cave. Okay, all right, here we go. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin a quarter mile. Back, back to the, to cave, the cave with, with Time Runner. 
Why are things so heavy that future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? All right. So, <laughs> hey, today's date, uh, April, generally, 1981. Cat, uh, well, we didn't pick it. Cat did. What, what do you, uh, what do you, why do you hold that date so, so close to your heart? 80, well, I just picked the middle of, pretty much the middle of the, the, the year because 81 was the best. It was everything. Best music came out. The, the best arcade games came out. The best fashions. The, 1981 is the coolest, I think, the coolest. Um, uh, year of the eighties. I just like it. Any any time I like anything, it's usually from nineteen eighty one. I think that, that's a that's a bold statement. I see. I would argue eighty four was pretty good. I liked eighty three. Oh, as far and, as arcade games, yeah. But and just as a general year, I think eighty one was cool because that's when everything was just breaking. It was leaving the seventies. All the boring. Yeah. Ugly seventies right. and eighty one no just really just... shine. And you still yeah. had punk yeah. and, and you had new wave and you had I mean you had everything was going on right It all came together that year, yeah. Um the whole crossover metal that crossed over into punk. Absolutely. Then we got Motorhead kicking ass. Sorry, I'm gonna swear. Dick. In America. <laughs> it was awesome. Iron Maiden had the best greatest album I think they ever produced that year, the cars. Oh. I mean, just, just I just love 1981. It also looks cool when you ride it too. So <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it. If you're into aesthetics, <laughs> if you're looking into aesthetics, it, it looks cool written. <laughs> it does. It does look cool written. Okay, so it does. So I know you saw it in your mind, and it is cool. <laughs> okay, so April 1981. First, we're going to talk a little about arcade news. The uh, Asteroids Deluxe and Warlords were actually released in April 1981 in North America by Atari. And uh, interesting fact, I did not know this before, the Atari 2600 version of Warlords was also released in 81. It was written by Carla Meninsky, uh, who'd written several other 2600 games, including Indy 500, Dodge and Star Raiders, and even a port of Tempest. And it was never released, but like prototype, prototypes are out there. Let's get so Carla. No, I, did, I didn't know that. Yeah, she's, you know, probably That's one of the cool. few. That's cool. That's heavy. <laughs> wow. So let's see. Um, Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the <laughs> gravitational pull? Yes. <laughs> um, at the box office, uh, I'm just going to list the movies that came out. Some of these uh, were good, and you know the, they've kind of held their, you know, their place in history. And some are just awful. And so let's let's look what was released in April 1981. Excalibur. Excalibur. Which, yes. Do, do, do you know the little <laughs> incantation that everybody said? No, but I do know no. that Carmina Burana was used heavily in that movie's trailer and possibly throughout the film. Was that the one oh, with the Patrick Stewart? Uh, is Pat, no, is Patrick Stewart in Excalibur? He, I don't know. He is. He's in Excalibur. It's been a while. I remember the movie sort of. Yeah. It was, I mean, Roger Borman. Um, the reason why I remember a lot of these is because in 1981, my, my parents had a VCR and I thought it would be cool to record the the commercials on TV for trailers, so I would record whole shows and then just keep the trailer and you know put it on another tape. Huh. I know it's a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's, let's pile. Let me get a mixtape from you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I, I think so like three or four years later, I decided. Oh, I don't know why I recorded all these trailers and I wrote I, I overwrote it all, so it's it's awful. But um. Let's see. There was a there's a movie called From Mao to Mozart. 
I don't know what that was. I've never heard of that. Uh, there's a movie called Going Ape. I, I'm pretty sure it was trying to play off of the, <laughs> you know, the Clyde the Orangutan stuff that was going with the Clint Eastwood movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Howling. What about that? Oh, I love that movie. That's a great movie. Have you ever seen it? Oh, of course. That's a the werewolves in New York and the Native Americans are uh, the like they're. It's I guess it's their kind of like anima. They're like right. they're like they like mutating these wolves or whatever. I love that movie. It's scary. And then, <laughs> very and then, scary. And then also, it's funny these two movies that are very similarly named, Night Riders and Nighthawks. And I don't, I, I don't remember, remember Night Riders. Any of those. Nighthawks. Yeah. I think, uh, starred Sylvester Stallone and uh, probably the guy that was on bl- the, the replicant from Blade Runner that lives at the until the very end. That guy, pretty sure. Eddie, it's a, Edward James Olmos. He was no, no, in. that's his partner. What? Oh, yeah, no. He Edward James Olmos was just a cop. He actually is in the new Blade Runner. Yeah, hold on. Let Let's get through this. The list. new one? Huh? Yeah, he's he <laughs> okay. looks bad, but you know, hey, it's, it's Edward James Olmos. <laughs> Like Harrison Ford looks like a breath of fresh he's, air over there. Very, like, like, he's like, move on, move on. <laughs> you guys are terrible. Uh, <laughs> he looks bad. <laughs> like, come on, work. Jesus. Get the same trainer that Harrison has, dude. Um, let's see. <laughs> this is Elvis. This is Elvis came out that room. Uh, they played that on the movie channel like every day. I, I, I just saw the commercial for it over and over and over. Uh, <laughs> Caveman with Ringo Starr, Barbara Bach. Oh, and I have Long. that movie. Oh, I love that. you're allowed to hate it. You're allowed to no hate way. it. That movie is so. Listen, Zug Zug. Zug Zug. I was in love with Shelley Long. Zug Zug. Oh my gosh. She's my least favorite part about the movie. Oh, Ringo Starr is awesome in that movie. I've never seen it. It must have naked chicks in it for you guys to like oh, it. No, Cave not, Man, oh, right? No, not really. Not really. <laughs> but they're they're pretty. You said Ringo Starr was in it, so I figured it it can't be any good. It's the only good movie. <laughs> yeah, they're they're. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, I, let's see. There was a. I'll drama. check it out. Go ahead. Okay. Improper channels, which I don't. It's some drama. Beyond the Reef, man. <laughs> Cattle Annie and Little Britches. <laughs> Oh boy, no thanks. Yeah. Oh, I saw him on Netflix last night. Not. Oh, this is a good one. The <laughs> Hand. Where this uh, this the Hand? Is, yeah, this. I never heard of it. And kills people. Oh, is that Manos? Uh, I don't know, but it's a pretty good horror movie. I don't. I seriously doubt the effects have held up after this long, especially considering, you know, they've done the Hand with the Adams family. I mean, <laughs> come on. Uh, let's see, Secondhand <laughs> Hearts, which I wow. think was a uh, the who was the girl from. Uh, Who's oh. that girl? Sally Field, maybe. Oh, why is it I've never heard of any of these movies? This this can't be true. This is 1981. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. April this is what happens to us every time we do this. We're like, what? What was? Well, when I get serious? to the, I'm yeah, just well, like blown away. I don't know any of these because I spent so much time in the movie theater. Right. <laughs> I have never seen these. Well, we watched what we wanted to watch, right? That's right. So yeah, I guess. Of the very last uh, day, April April 30th of. Is it the last day of the month? I forget. The 31 days. Anyway, long story short, Friday the 13th Part 2, for some reason, came out oh. on April 30th, which okay, I loved. At least we got a movie that I know. Yeah, no, those are all great. Yeah, yes. those are groundbreaking films. They really were. I don't know why they didn't put it out on the 13th. I think they were eventually like, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that. 
okay, so all right, so let's move on. Uh, TV, we're gonna this is gonna we're gonna go through this super fast. Uh, Sorry, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> on ABC, someone sat Mark, on the board. <laughs> Mork and Mindy was on ABC. It was Mork and Mindy. Yeah, Boys and Buddies, Barney Miller, Taxi, and Twenty Twenty. I what love Mork and Mindy. Nothing like a little taxi. I love that show. And then some news. Yeah. That's uh, such a cute show. What a great show. They don't make shows like that anymore. No, not at all. The CBS only had one good show on that night, Magnum P.I. I think I picked April 9th, by the way. I may not have mentioned this. I was looking through what was on TV all that month. <laughs> oh, and I great. Think now everybody in the chat's going to know That was a golden day on. in the month of April 1981. There's a bunch of crap in the <laughs> freaking... No, but on NBC... TV really... Yeah? TV on... wasn't really that great yeah, <laughs> back I mean, then. That's why cable took off. True, truly true. Um, yeah, Buck Rogers in the 25th century was on NBC, and That's then they right. had like a that movie show. of the week after that. Except for that was what second was on the season. Movie of the week. Did, did you have a Probably something really bad. Like, I gotta go get the TV guide. <laughs> no fame. I don't know. I've, just things. <laughs> I'm just making that up. Things are not good. Fame. <laughs> fame. I like, fame. Fame. I like fame too. It's I'm, it's it's. You know how this. Go ahead. No, I'm I'm taking up your time. No, go ahead no, and read no. the list. No, I like it when you interact. Let's go. I, I'm going to interrupt. I'm sorry. Um, you said fame. Yes. So many cheesy movies like that. I mean, even though they're cheesy, they're just awesome. You know how a movie can be just so lame, and you're laughing and kind of cringing at some of the dialogue in it, but you still love it because it's it's cheesy. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I can fame is, That's one of those movies. I can explain it in one word. <laughs> that's, that's cheesy movie. Caveman. <laughs> Well, okay, if you say it's cheesy, I will watch it. It's I love totally cheesy. cheesy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally yeah like that. Um, and they speak; they don't speak one word of English in the whole thing. It's it's interesting and in an abstract way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think one person says an English word at the end or something. But probably like uh, shit. Oh man, I was I was I was rounding back. Are you sure you're not referencing Quest for Fire? That's there's no English <laughs> oh, in that no. one either. It's kind of kind of kind of similar. Kind of similar. That one's hot. It <laughs> was hot. Yeah, I remember when she's picking the berries up by the water. I, I remember, you know, when I saw that movie, I was like watching it with my parents, and oh, we no. didn't know that it was in there. Uh-oh. And I'm like, I'm sitting in between my parents, and there's like the, the scene where she's down by the water picking the berries, and the guy comes up and just starts hammering on her. I'm like, oh my God. It's like, I'm sitting here with my mom and dad, and this is, I just wanted to die at that moment. It's like, oh my God. You know what scene I'm talking about? Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like to bring that one up every time I talk to Tommy Chong. Because that's his daughter. <laughs> that's his daughter. Yeah, yeah. right on. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't she like 16 or something? <laughs> oh, my God. Who knows? What a thing. Oh, it's acting. Hey. Acting. Acting. <laughs> acting. <laughs> <laughs> I was merely acting. <laughs> okay, Go so ahead. now we're moving on to the last part here before we get to our uh, one listener phone call in the full-on interview. Oh. Uh, it's called What's in the Juke? Is Wait, don't play that whole intro. I'm not going don't. to, but I will play this. Okay. What's right. in the juke? <laughs> What's in the juke? It's like an old like, just 70s. <laughs> okay, so uh, this is the part of the show where we play a song. Ladies and gentlemen, What's in the juke? Yes. We're still working on the intro. If you can still <laughs> guess what this one clip is, <laughs> you get to win our, you know. Oh, no, not again. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the clip. I kill me, snort. 
Okay, moving on. <laughs> if you could just play like a couple seconds of a song and we're going to open it up to people in chat and then maybe perhaps us in here that's not excluding myself and Adam. Yeah, so I think uh, next week what we might try to do is actually, uh, you know, have somebody um, mm-hmm. call in, you know. Call in? Yeah, we could try that once. We'll see how that goes. Wait a minute. I'm having a little trouble here with your... Adam is in charge of the... Uh, your your number one... Oh, crap. That's because I'm searching in the wrong area. Oh, they're not even in the right order, by the way. They're not? I mixed them up so that nobody could figure out where they're from. Oh, dang. Ooh, you got tricky with it. That's right. I'm a little bit upset right now because I think the, one of the songs is not labeled correctly. Okay. But I found it anyway. So there we go. All right. All right, we're going to play clip number one. Okay. So I, I should start that right now? Okay. Yes, okay. That's not a good enough clip. I'm going to play a different part. Here we go. Stop I know what one it is. I heard it. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, so that was clip number one. Here's clip number two. No, I'm just kidding. Th- that's a hard clip. I don't think that was enough. Should I play? Uh, you mean clip number one? I, t- I got it. You did? Okay. All right. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, wait. Casey Relford, Steve Winwood. How the hell does he know this? I don't know. I played like a second. I played like a second. What? What did he say it was? Steve Winwood. Oh, I didn't have that. Oh, he's got Steve Winwood. Is it, I'll, I'll see is it if, Steve Winwood? It is. Let's see if he gets no the song. What did you think it was? I thought it was that, that, um, oh, that Here I Go Again song. Oh, I didn't hear that. Okay, I heard it totally different. I guess that was a long clip, but this is the song is weird. Okay, oh, not Valerie. Andy Baldwin guessed Valerie. Not quite right. We'll give him five more seconds, and we'll move to the next one. Three, two, one. <clears throat> While you see a chance, take it. Arc of a Diver, Steve Winwood. All right. Okay. Oh my God! I can't believe someone got that out that. Wow. Okay, here we go. Oh, Casey is a savant. But yeah, he's, he's a savant. But like, we're going to have to give like 10 t-shirts, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> when we start giving out t-shirts. <laughs> no, this one should be good. Yeah, here we go. This next one, uh, here we go. That's it. I'll, I'll replay that one second clip. I like that. Here we go. I know what song it is, uh, oh, but I don't know. Oh, God, I know go ahead, go ahead. You, could, you, know you I mean? could do it, Kat. You could do it. Yeah, go for it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Just sing along. I like, can't. What do you think of the words? <laughs> just the two of us Andy Baldwin got it just the two of us actually Casey beat know, him to it he probably already got it <laughs> he, he no I know oh geez just the two of us bye right? who was it bye see if these guys can I get it I don't know it was by Grover Washington hello this is Grover <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty good uh, Grover get off of my show here we go all right, next song. Who is it? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. <laughs> That's all play. Yeah. <laughs> is that Aria Speedwagon? Oh, yeah. Yes! Oh, my gosh. Keep on loving you, right? Oh, my gosh, you got it! Boom! You know what sucks is I knew that because that is so lame. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Randy, Ran- Randy like, Gelking. I just lost my, I just lost my street friend because of you guys. <laughs> it's hard not to know that song. It's hard not to know it. Randy Gelking got it. Yeah, it's awesome. 
Yeah. I'm going to have to get a disguise to go out now. <laughs> okay, here we, here we go. And, and since they're mixed up, I'm just going to play them in order that I have them in here. So here we go. Okay. That that might be barely difficult. I could barely hear the yeah, sound of like was, Blinded by the Light by right. ELO. Is that who did that? Here we go. And here's another clip. There you go. I have no idea who that is, but it sounds like Neil Diamond. <laughs> you boom! Get, boom, was she got it, Neil Diamond. What's this? Was it really? Yeah, let's see if somebody oh, can wow. get the song. Let somebody get the song here. I can't tell you any songs that he did. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> we maybe I'm to blame, but I put my heart above my... See if anybody gets it. Oh, somebody guessed Barry. Not quite right, but, you know, it's okay. That was Neil Diamond, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is Neil Diamond. Hello again. Hello. <laughs> All right, so that moving on to the next song. This one might be easy. Here we go. I'll play the beginning of the song. All right. Tonight's the night. We <laughs> if we can't get this. Rocket Man, Elton John. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But no, that's not it. It was? It was not no. it. Oh, you're so funny. Ooh, that was great. Like, I got it, and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Sticks. Randy. Randy got it. Randy Gelkin got Sticks, and Marky Keel followed up with the best of times. There was sort of a tie between those two guys. Casey he got beat out on that. He music. Marky Keel does. <laughs> Here we go. Here's the he next does. clip. Yep. This is going to... Oh, I should have picked a better spot for this. Let me. I'm just going to try this here. I got... I'm, it's hard because I, I need to. I should put these into GarageBand so I can buffer them before they go on. But here we go. Um, just picking a random spot from within the song, and that's probably all they need. What the heck was that? That's a good weird part of the song. It pick. is, yeah. I didn't, here, do it one more time for me, please. Okay, let me go back. And here's the clip. Blondie oh, Rapture. Yeah. Blondie Rapture. Boom, boom. And it was Casey. Who? Randy got it again. Blondie. I'm, imp I'm, I'm that impressed. That was Blondie? Yeah, play, play it a little bit more. Oh, that's the first time rap ever appeared in a song in the United States. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who's the name? Who's the band they used? I forget. Uh, it was the guy who did a rapper's delight, wasn't it? No, I don't know. Oh, yeah. That wasn't him. No, you might be honest. Anyway, there. yeah, it was from that school, definitely. Because yeah, wow, cool. I I didn't. What song is that on Rapture? Right? Yeah, yeah. Rapture. Yeah. yeah, it was. That's um, oh, what was his name? <clears throat> well, you're not talking about. He's from the school. He's from that total school. I mean, they they were doing all that scratching and stuff before. Fast Five Freddy. Yeah, the name for it. Yeah. yeah. Flat Master Flash or something or yeah, that's it. Yeah, Grandmaster Flash. Right. Thank you. Fast Five yeah. Freddy. They, they just put out a drunk history about Grandmaster Flash. I think, and Quest Love. I think gets really drunk and tells the story. All right. Well, Ooh, I'd love to see that. Here, I would really like to see that. Here are three more hits from the top ten of that time. These are might be a little bit more difficult. I'll play a little bit longer clip here. Anybody? Oh, God. I, I, yeah, I remember it. I can't tell you who it is, so Marky D can probably tell you. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Marky D. Oh, Casey Relford got it. Woman, John Lennon. Bam, bam. Just like that. Oh, my that God. Was John Lennon. 
cannot believe that. I do. Oh my god. Unbelievable. I cannot believe that guy. He's just amazing. All right, here we go. He's good. (laughs) Next clip. Here we go. Oh, that's a terrible clip. You might as well just have a bunch of organs. That's underwater for sure. That is so lame at the beginning. I bet you it's Lionel Richie. I'm just catching. Nope. It is, isn't it? No. It is. Now we're laughing. They just suck all over it. Okay, I'm going to play one more clip. I'm going to play one more clip. Here we go. Oh my God! Is it or something? Oh, I you're close. Hear it. You're oh, close. It's a, duet. it's a duet. Who is it? It's coming it's up. Oh no, it's not that reunited song or something. Nope. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was Lionel Richie, but I guess it's not. I'll play one more clip. What, what, what kind of... <laughs> oh God, it's Barbara Streisand and some other guy. This is sad, man. <laughs> <laughs> not Andy. It's not. It is, it's Barbara Streisand, isn't it? It's Barbara Streisand and, and Barry, Barry Gibb. And who else? Yep. Like Kenny Loggins. Yep. <laughs> Barry Gibb from the Gibb Brothers. Yeah. What kind of fool? Oh, oh, oh that's painful. <laughs> Whose idea was that? Oh, I didn't know that. Even, I didn't. Uh, yeah. 1981, cocaine, baby. That's what caused that. Here we go. Cocaine caused that. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Tears it apart. Tears it apart. okay (laughs) there's there's some there's some real doozies in the top 10 this week in april all right here we go here's another one another we have only two left this is this is it there we go i was all right this is the live version, though. What? I have no clue. For a while. I love that song. Oh, that's Roy Orbison. It is originally him. Yep. Andy Baldwin got it with Crying. Beautiful. Don McLean was followed Beautiful up by Randy. Boy. Oh, my God. I, Andy and Randy. I grab a vowel, I went, okay, that's Orbison. Yeah. Holy crap. Voice. Oh, my gosh. You guys, listen, listen to this. Within, like, two seconds, it was Crying, Crying Don McLean, Roy Orbison, Crying, Roy, John Denver, Roy Orb, Bang, Crying. I mean, these guys are on top of it. Okay, one more hit. Wow. One more hit. Okay, this is the last clip. And I'm only playing the beginning because this is easy. Okay, here we go. And go. That's it. Oh. <laughs> that's got to be Hall and Oates because I heard the I heard the guitar and that sounds just like Hall and Oates. Yeah, it is. Yeah. They always mix their guitars like that, like yeah. with all that that like background noise, all compressed, it's nasty sounding. It was them, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. Oh, I knew. I knew it. Kisses on my list. Kisses <laughs> on my list. Kisses on my list. Four people right in a row. That's just totally awesome. You guys. Yeah, everybody real. knows that sound of their guitar. Yeah, that that was their trademark. Yeah. I don't think it sounds bad. I didn't mean to say that it sounds bad, but it is definitely a trademark sound that they had. Oh, for sure. No, and you know that's one of the things that's. I don't. 
Mark, you, you go ahead and explain. Why did we end up where we are with this segment anyway? Why did we end up like this? Yeah, why did we end up like this? Because it's fun? I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know the answer. <laughs> I So one of the problems we were having on the show was um, we kept getting flagged for copyright. So Oh, we got flagged for copyright. We we're like, how can we play as little bit of the song as possible? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I was wondering. I was actually while you were doing this, I was like, "How are these guys pulling this off without getting <laughs> so flagged?" If it's a tiny, if it's a super tiny clip, boom, no problem. Yeah, nobody cares. But if you play like ten or fifteen seconds, then bam, Universal and Warner Brothers and everybody wants a piece of your action. Which yeah, which, that's a big thing with the YouTube kids that like they get demonetized and everything like kicked yeah. off their channels for that stuff, even if it happens accidentally or an image shows in the back of their uh, video. I it's mean, totally yeah, bullshit. Playing a pinball and the, and the clip is from the machine and you get <laughs> that happens. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. Twin Galaxies was having that problem with submissions. Guys were like like listening to music while they were submitting. I heard this. I don't know you know, how, how big of a deal it turned into, but they like wouldn't accept their, like their scores on those, those videos or, or on their Twitch because they were playing music. You right. can't do it. Yeah. And yeah, you can't like gotta... turn the sound off because you have to hear the the, the game to right. know if they're actually running the actual game. Yep. So, yeah. No, that's terrible. I actually have one of my own songs monetized. I brought this up many, too many times. So oh, <laughs> I wrote the song and somebody flagged it and now, that's there's that's that. So, tis what it is. So I, you know, uh, I think we have a a, a caller. I, I'm glad we do. So let me check it out. Okay, here we go. Hello, arcade radio muchachos. It's your buddy Bob Zarzadek, <laughs> control panel expert and technician. I'm leaving this message early. It's Tuesday afternoon, and man, today has been super weird. I swam back to that autonomous spaceport drone ship, you know, I was living on a couple weeks ago, and uh, it was, man, it was even more awesome than when I left. Uh, There's lots of beer in the lower deck coolers and everything. It was great. I loved it. Excuse me. So, anyway, uh, everything was going great until this giant rocket started approaching me, and luckily I had my shotgun next to me in case I wanted to go fishing, and I shot that sucker right out of the sky. He doesn't know how to hang up the phone, does he? He has a little difficulty. He does this. <laughs> and it, it, he's had a saga lately. Zedek shot down the center core of the SpaceX rocket on Tuesday. I know. He was like, a couple weeks ago, he was like living on the platform. He somehow got from his shipping containers at the Walmart to the middle of the ocean. And then he's living out on these. Out. I know. And then he got in trouble. And last week, they took him off with a helicopter, right? That was pretty funny. Yep. How did he swim back? It's 200 miles. That doesn't make sense. No. He must have had a Yeah, that, yeah. Seems maybe, maybe he's making it up. I don't know. <laughs> he's making something up. 
<laughs> so well, the like question you, is... You listen to a Polybius podcast thinking it's real for seven <laughs> episodes, and then... <laughs> hey, listen. I don't just, want to spoil it for you. you know, yeah, that was that. Was that. <sighs> if I had just yeah, read this that was, stupid that was paragraph. That's an interesting project. It's cool because Ernie Klein, you know, took part in it. So it, it. it was fun doing some, doing some... I mean, he really got where, you know, yeah. they wanted to take that, and I was really happy with it. Well, but um, let's let's hold. Uh, we that weren't told. We were, we actually weren't told. Go oh. ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Let's let's do your interview. Let, all we have to do is play this okay. little clip. Yeah. Oh, we're at the interview part now, right? Yeah. Just hit the button. Oh, but boy. we didn't. Okay. Yeah. We're not going to answer this <laughs> question, right? We're just going to move on, right? Oh, we're going to move on. You're not going to play yeah. it. All right, fine. Okay. Here's the big. Oh, I don't get a clip. Oh, great. You oh, do. You, you do. Ah, here comes. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing special for me. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> All right, please welcome to the show arcade and retro gaming journalist and historian Cat Despira. That's you. That's you. <laughs> welcome to the show. Okay. That's me. So continue. Yeah. Just, go ahead. Uh, we were going to ask you about Polybius anyway. So tell us about your involvement with the Polybius conspiracy. Uh, the actual podcast or the actual research project? Well, what? You just take it wherever it will go. Yeah. Wing it. We're all about Oh, wing. yeah. Well, Polybius is something I'm I'm known for. I didn't set out to be known for it, but um, I for years I heard about this, this killer arcade game in Portland, Oregon. And since I spent my teenage years in Portland, Oregon... I was wondering why everybody's talking about this game that I never saw in the arcade. So I started looking around, went to the places where people said that it was. One thing led to another. I ended up debunking it. I feel I debunked it. There are still people out there who think it was real. I don't believe that it was. And um, that led to a documentary that started filming three years ago um, by a group of filmmakers who brought in me, uh, Clay Cowgill from... uh, Ground Control Arcade, or Ernie Klein, who we now know, went on to work with Spielberg. He started uh, filming a documentary and decided to make it into a podcast, which became the one that you just saw, The Polybius Conspiracy, that, that was turned into kind of a War of the Worlds type script. Um, we didn't find out until the last minute. <laughs> In fact, I was listening to it like you were, thinking it was just outtakes you know, from the, the footage that we shot. And, and I discovered, wow, they made this entire uh, kind of sci-fi scary story out of it, which is very cool, but none of us knew. So it was kind of a surprise. So the journey that you went on to get to the end of it and realize, hey, wait a minute, this is a work of fiction, was the same journey that I went on, even though I was in it and took part in it. So it's kind of neat. I like the, the way that it turned out. Yeah, I think it's beautiful, actually. I mean, in the same way that I think Who Drew the Dicks you know, on Netflix <laughs> is a classic. I mean, you know what? Give me more of these documentaries that aren't really documentaries because, damn, they're entertaining. Well, I think with documentaries, you end up with fiction anyway. I don't think I've ever seen a single documentary that wasn't embellished in some way as far as facts or char- characters or or things like that. So, um, sure. And I love Who Drew the Dicks. That's the funniest damn thing. <laughs> It's great. You know the funny thing though, when I first started watching it, I didn't know it was a documentary. <laughs> and so I'm like, Oh, this poor guy, he got accused of drawing all these dicks and then I kinda caught on and felt really stupid, but you know <laughs> I know. I'm terrible. We're speaking about American Vandal in case anybody didn't listen to the beginning of the show. It's a fun okay, show. So 
Let's see where where we are here. Well, uh, <clears throat> I I have one question. Okay, go ahead. Well, why don't you ask Mark? Why don't you ask the quintessential first question that we always ask our guests? Okay, so Cat, um, where did you grow up, and how did you get to the arcade? Like, what was the draw? It's like how your, did I your get or- to the arcade. It's like your origin story. What eventually got you into the oh, arcade? Oh yeah, well, it's, I think it's the same with everybody. I'm a '70s kid, so my I started with Pong. Pong came into the house, but you know, around that time, there were games that there weren't really arcades. There were game rooms, and they were mostly adult-oriented. But in the 70s, you know, kids could go anywhere. They could go into bars. I know it's unbelievable for people today to even think of that. But, but kids did during the days there were hours, and we'd go in and play Boot Hill, which is not a very fun game. I, I still don't think it's a very fun game, but you kind of played what you had. Right. But then something happened in 78 that changed everything, and it was Space Invaders. Because you, it, you had that heartbeat pulse, the, the way it looked, the... It just it drew kids in, and I was one of those kids. And I think that's the true story. I think that's the story of any 70s kid. They saw Space Invaders, and that just kind of that jump-started it, because then you had, you know, asteroids come out. So there was an allure, though. So beyond Space Invaders, yeah, I'm sure that's what sparked it. But did you spend time in a particular arcade, or...? Was it always that bar with the uh, that one game, or did you have a favorite arcade? Her phone went dead. Did she? I don't know. Maybe maybe the battery died. Oh, boy. That's no good. We can always call her back. We know her number. She's still on. She's muted. What? I didn't. How did that happen? You're muted. Unmute. Should we call her back? Well, it was white. Now it's, I don't know. We could try calling her back. Yeah. You want to redial? She's been on the phone for a while. Uh, I got a... Where's the phone? Okay. Okay, I got it. Okay. I'm hanging so up on her. I... Okay, fine. I'll I'll hit the dial pad now. Oh. Can you only dial in one person? I don't know. Try again. Okay. Uh, let's see. Click the little person with the plus. Click the little pad. Type in this number. <laughs> I dialed it right. Calling her back. She's probably looking for a cord. <laughs> Hello, I dropped hey. off somehow. That nobody wants to hear my history, but I said space invaders, and then, like the whole uh, world fell out from me. <laughs> we were like, "It's okay, you know." I hope I didn't bring up anything about an arcade you didn't <laughs> talk about. But <laughs> no, but like I was saying, um, uh, space invaders came out, and uh, that captivated an entire generation. That led to the video craze. That was the one that did it. It was and just what, one game after another. Only sh- go ahead. What what particular like arcade like near you drew you in? Like, was there several of them, or was there just one in particular back oh, then? Oh, I was, oh, I was in Scottsdale, Arizona. That's where I grew up, and uh, yeah, there was there was tons of arcades around there. They they popped up pretty quick after Space Invaders. There was always like game rooms or places where there were games, usually in like pizza parlors had them, um, you know, skating rinks, bowling alleys, things like that. There were game rooms in the malls, but they didn't really explode and, and get that kind of like attention from people until space invaders. Nice. I don't know if that's, that's like the, the norm everywhere, but that seems to be the common theme, the story that, that people from the seventies, you know, remember. Right. Was so, it different for you? Well, I mean, star castle. No, I'm just kidding. I don't really, <laughs> I'm just joking. 
Uh, no, for me, it was, I think, I think it was more of a Pac-Man thing. I was born in 69, so I think I, I uh, edged into a little bit more into the, into the, uh, well, also the problem was my parents live here in the sticks. I live in the house that I grew up in. I bought it for my That's parents. That's cool, though. Yeah. And so the corner store that I used to go to is like two blocks away. I sometimes go over there and look where they have these stupid ice cream coolers where all the arcade games used to be. And go, hey, let's put some arcade games in here. And the, and the guy's like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you remember, you remember, you don't remember Space Invaders coming to oh, town? Maybe he didn't go. The sinister yeah, was... droning sound. And it was hard. I felt like that was a quarter that I had trouble putting in because I knew I would die. And it was. Like oh, a... it's that funny. Yeah, I remember <laughs> it being difficult too because we didn't know what to think. Or we hadn't, I don't know what it is. Our brains hadn't, like, evolved to take it yet. It seemed intense at the time. Now I look at it and I go, I can't believe we thought this was cool. But if I see Paul and them, we used to be captivated by that. And I'm thinking, you see it now and you go, oh my God, it's so rudimentary and so boring, so primitive, but it blew our minds then. Right. And I think that the introduction of the AI into a game is what really sort of made, like those are the games that for some reason, kids even today are drawn to them. Because like Pac-Man, for instance, they all have little AIs. It's like you're playing against, you know, some drones in a way, and they're trying to get you and all that stuff. And same this the same way in Space Invaders, you know, there's the the ship that flies across the top and the you know, they're coming down for you. And so once that sort of personality got added to the games, I think that's what eventually has made them sort of uh have some longevity versus like stuff. Like the EM games, those are the dumbest games possible. It's mostly aiming type stuff. And right. so it's, you know, without that sort of interaction that is, you know, putting you on a one-on-one level with what you think is like a, a thinking robot, you know, it, it, that's why I think EM games just can't hold a light to when the arcade games started to get, you know, getting smart like Cyberdyne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally Cyberdyne. Yeah, that was great what you said, and I think you really summed that up. That was great. So what was after I Space Invaders? Was it yeah, what Asteroids? Was, what was after Space Invaders? Asteroids. That was the next big one that I remember. That that was that was huge. It was bigger than, spa- than Space Invaders. I see a lot of uh, historians, researchers, whatever you, you want to call them, um, not know that. And I'm like, how can you not know that? Asteroids was huge. That was the one that pushed competitive gaming you know, completely onto the map. That's the guys would play that game for like marathon like sessions for like three and four days. It's crazy. There'd be teams of them going for like a week, yeah. like switching off, trying to keep it going. It was huge. It, it's, it's strange that that, that kind of like history has been lost, but hopefully people will care about it more and, and actually look at it, you know, and kind of like, I don't know, get into it. I don't know. I don't know how to put it into words. There's so much lost from that time that I think people need to remember because it's important because it's how we got where we are today, I think. Yeah. Awesome. And when it, a different social climate for video games, for sure. <clears throat> well, people still marathon. Um, there are people who marathon Call of Duty, if you can even imagine that. I mean, there's people who have died marathoning, it, which is strange. Wow. They seem to have lost the skill for staying up for four days without dying. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. And, you know, you, you mentioned the marathoning of asteroids, and I'm not sure, but this kind of leads into my next question. Uh, one of the first articles I ever read on your site was the five California arcades in the 80s looking through the lens of Ira Nowinski. I think there's a picture oh, yeah, mm-hmm. of these guys. Pardon me? 
I think I think there's a picture of, of some guys that were marathoning a, an asteroids machine, or at least yeah. or at least a machine. I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, it happened everywhere. If yeah. there was an asteroids machine, it didn't matter if it was at a Seven Eleven or a bowling alley. Somebody was marathoning it in 1981. Yeah, they were oh. marathoning the hell out. That's the height of it. Mm-hmm. Was 1981 when they were really marathoning that thing. And and we've cited that's your. That's how the Polybius. Oh, go ahead. That's how the, the well. That's how the Polybius legend started. The guy marathoning asteroids, you know, had a problem. And that's how the whole thing started with the killer arcade game. I thought it was Tempest. Up until that point, no one had stayed up for two days in a row ever. No, yeah, I don't think so. I think Dennis Hernandez in New York City, I think he was the one, the first one, I think. I'm not sure. I know he was up there in the top five of guys that had played it the longest. That's awesome. So we've cited your work here on Arcade Radio before. <clears throat> in particular, uh, lately, uh, in one of the episodes, we we uh, we read the timeout archaeological find, um, oh, yeah. which was kind of cool. So they broke up on a wall in a mall and found a perfectly preserved timeout arcade, or at least a segment of it. And <laughs> it was a segment of it, yeah. And um, and you so, look at oh, go ahead. I, I want to hear. <laughs> Yeah, the sad thing about that is um, the contractors tore it up. I'm like, oh my God, you find Timeout made the most beautiful arcades. I never saw one personally. Right. I've only seen photos. But people who have like told me they went into them, like described this like ambiance that just, like, completely enveloped you, where you really felt like you were entering into something that that kind of had no end. That's, that's what people have told me. And so when I saw the pictures that... Uh, this this guy sent me. I I was just like blown away because there there was complete like those things that that hung out from the wall. I don't know what you call them, but they're brightly colored and they're like partitions. Those were still intact. And the the contractors that came and tore them off the wall and just kind of threw them in a dumpster. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I would have drove and got those. I know that sounds crazy, but I would have tried to take all of that yeah. out and and bring it home and set up a timeout in my garage. <laughs> you know, why not? Yeah, it was neat. It's yeah. neat to see that, that something like that lasted. That tells me that there's more. It's gotta be. It can't be just the one. <clears throat> Wasn't there a space station themed arcade chain? Like there was a... Yeah, there's Spaceport and Spaceport, um, Timeout and yeah. there was a bunch of them that had like really cool themes all owned by the same company, I think. Oh, that's really cool. <clears throat> So how long have you been unearthing arcade history as an online journalist? Oh, geez. Um, I really started looking into it probably around 2012, 2013, when I realized nobody was. I would read, like, no offense to Kotaku and IGN or Polygon or any of those, but I'd look at their history and go, well, this isn't really right. It can't be. And the reason why I said that is because I was there. Like, I, I noticed that these 20-somethings, no offense to them, would be writing these articles based on hearsay or or I don't know, something I saw on a TV show, and I was like, wow, that's really not the 80s, and that is not what happened. And so I just kind of started looking into it and started piecemeal at first, and then over a period of time, it started becoming more and more habit until it became a a kind of a passion and a fascination that I just really can't shut off. I I think about it every day. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds crazy, but I think about it every day because there's so much to fill in, and I find it fascinating. Yeah. You know? It's the same with you guys and the restoration that you're doing on arcade games. I mean, it's, it's a process of, of kind of understanding the game you're looking at when you're working on it. Don't you find that, you know, that's what happens in your mind? Well, absolutely. I think yeah. every game you, you dig into, and you're probably in the same boat, when you start to get into this, 
<clears throat> it's not just finding the coins in the bottom of the machine, you know. Now the manual, get the manual. I gotta have the manual, and then you start figuring out when it was released. And some of them I just know because I was I was also there, you know. So I I know that Star Wars was released in 1983. I know, you know, uh, Pope's. I know Monaco GP 1979. You know, so like some of those games, you're just like you inherently like in the back of your mind know when they were released but there's more to it than that and that's why those photos by you know ira Nowinski are just unbelievable you know like, oh my god he recorded something that nobody else did nobody else in in the, the entire continental united states captured that beginning of the video crazy way he did and he didn't even know at the time what he was capturing he just was fascinated right. by the probably you can tell by his photos even though they're black and white that he was fascinated by the movements and the preoccupation of the subject matter and the lights. Absolutely. It had to be brightly colored, the kind of diffused lighting. He, I think he photographed it because what he was looking at, he thought was like kind of beautiful. I loved And the... I think still, oh God, I yeah. love him too. When I saw him, it sounds so corny. I, I almost started crying. It just really moved me because I thought <laughs> that they were, they, they were just so perfect. I love the photo. Uh, there's a photo of a bunch of teenagers standing around a Pac-Man. You can barely see the Pac-Man machine. It's just, yeah. there's just a little bit of paint that, that's exposed and then legs yeah. everywhere. And it's, it's everywhere. It's just fantastic. And you know, the cool thing about it is fantastic because we don't stand like that anymore. When you see young people no, together, no, you don't no. see them doing that. There's a distance between them. Right. We lost that closeness because we don't live in a world where we have things that bring us together. Right. We, yeah. We talked about I it on the show before too. too. You know, that's, it's the primary reason we all. I think many of us long for that time and we have, we wanted to recreate it in some ways in our own homes and whatever, and, and to actually reopen arcades and to barcades are flourishing and all that is because we want to recreate that social experience, you know, that closeness. And it is about that, even though people might not say it or know it, that's exactly what they're trying to recreate. And I think some do, and I think some don't, and I hope more, more definitely do because just in the scene in particular, I think we, we need a little bit more closeness. So the wars kind of stop. <laughs> it seems like everybody's always fighting in this community. And, you know, and speaking of that slice of history that he recorded, your Tynemouth, or I'm sure it's Tynemouth, Tynemouth uh, Plaza arcade story is a favorite of mine. And I, I had some trouble ma taking my eyes off some of the other content in your blog too because <laughs> you know atari with porno and all that sort of thing oh i jump around <laughs> i mean it, there's nothing off limits to me i'll cover sex i'll cover controversy i'll cover weird kitschy stuff yeah just anything that catches my eye and, and so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you do you have a particular subject you enjoy writing about or just i mean is it just arcades in general you know and, and... i like cold case stories about arcade history kind of the dark underground of it there's a lot of stuff that i already have written that i haven't released because i'm not sure how people will take to it um i got a lot of heat about the atari sex stuff um i have Why? atari people writing me some kind of unpleasant commentary about the recent one with the porno hmm. Yeah, they, well, even though it happened, there's people who don't want me to talk about it. That's weird. I figured, well, you made it, you did it, it's part of history, I don't see anything wrong with it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not... I find it... It's so. <laughs> damn slut-shaming. What the hell? Let them do whatever That's, they Yeah, do. pretty much what it, I think people want to, like, paint arcade history or just gaming history as this, like, puritanical realm of 
family-oriented dish, and it was anything but that. I mean, Atari had hot tubs with hot chicks in it. They were smoking dope. The arcades were full of all kinds of miscreants and crazy stuff. I mean, Atari used to put out 2,600 porn games, you know, through Caballero you know, Control Company. That's what they were called. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't put them out, but they were they were doing it, and they weren't stopping them from doing it. It's like, I think the history is better when you tell the truth about it, you know? Well, Dark and light. It's you, you paint a better picture when you, you tell a whole story, I think. Well, in your Finterview on the Polybius thing, you know, it's a fake interview, so Finterview. So in your Finterview, uh, you, you mentioned uh, there was two kinds of arcades. There was the family arcade, right? And then there was the other what kind of arcade. You mentioned there oh, was... Oh, yeah, really, was... Yeah. So go ahead. Go ahead. I, men- I mentioned that there was what? There was a family arcade. And then there was the other arcade, the real arcade that, you know... That wasn't what oh, you yeah. found in the mall. Oh, yeah. Um, well, most arcades started out of street locations, and those were the ones that are kind of ma and pa. A lot of them were owned by women. Um, as the video craze took over and everybody wanted to jump in on all the money that um, arcades were making before the ordinances and all the taxes kind of killed it off, you had all kinds of people opening arcades that probably shouldn't. <laughs> like the street arcade ones, you got a lot of like creepy guys and stuff like that. And then you had the arcades that were kind of family established, had rolling rinks and roller rinks and like uh, bowling alleys and things like that, where there was like kind of more of a retail atmosphere to them. Then you had the mall arcades that were really clean and monitored and, and a lot of kids there. So yeah, there was three different types of arcades, at least, you know, and that had different fields and different, different, I don't know, hours of operation and totally different games. Like, you wouldn't see a Donkey Kong in, like, a real kind of crazy, wild street location because it wouldn't make money because yeah. kids wouldn't be playing it. You saw Stargate and Missile Command and, and, you know, most of the shooters, Defender, things like that. There's a definite difference. Well, here in town, we have uh, an arcade called SS Billiards. It's in Hopkins, Minnesota. Uh, Lloyd Olson is the owner. His mother, uh, Mabel DeMar, opened the arcade in 1972. And last year, we had... A guy by the name of, um, uh, well, he's a friend of mine, but his name is uh, Joe uh, Lease, and he's he was sort of a not really an operator, but he was sort of electronic support for Piccadilly Circus and a bunch of other arcades here in town. So, mm-hmm. um, but he used to uh, they used to service Mabel Demar's SS Billiards uh, establishment, which had like about six pool tables and then it was filled with pinball machines and a, and a small row of arcade games, including pong. And she used to bring in occasionally arcade games. And she tells an awesome story about both asteroids and Atari football of all things, which was a huge hit in her arcade. Uh-huh. But you can, it sort of tells you that period, right? The late seventies when the video fad was, <clears throat> was, was building, you know, so, but that, that SS billiard still exists today. And her son, uh, Lloyd Olson still runs it. And he's uh, LTG Lloyd, ask Lloyd on, um, Pinside today. So if you go to Pinside and it says, ask Lloyd, that's who you're talking to is a local Minnesotan. And, um, it's just, uh, it's fun to go in there because the carpet hasn't changed. There's still wood paneling and there's still drop ceiling and, you know, weird. And he's got a row of really awesome pinball machines and he has pinball tournaments every year. But, that might have been considered one of those more seedy arcades, except for the fact that it was actually well lit. And he's been able to maintain it as almost a, a family business. 
um, and a family establishment for people to come of all ages. So kind of an unusual arcade in our area. Um, uh, Conversely, there was one called Beanie's Arcade in Bloomington that has sort of a seedy... you know, and it was dark, right? Yeah, dark, and all the weird old old dudes hanging out, looking smoke, at all the young boys yeah. and girls. <laughs> you could smoke in there. Everybody smoked. <laughs> Uncle Pervy hanging. Yeah, everybody smoking. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah, uh-huh. and then uh, drug deals going on in the back. Some of the games. Totally. Some oh, of the yeah, games. there was a lot like that. I mean, there was a lot of arcades closed down between 1981 and 1983 because of that. Yeah. Because of truancy and drugs and and what have you. It's yeah. so so funny to me when pe- when you look on TV and you see how you know modern day TV portrays like the arcade scene. If it's like a like a movie that has an '80s theme, they always make it look like it's it, on some set in Disneyland. That's just not the reality at all. Never looked like that. Hmm. Not that I recall ever in, in a mall, but not in a real arcade. Mm-hmm. Mark, I think I got. I, I think I got. Oh. I got ripped off because I'm here in conservative Texas and I didn't. There was no fun <laughs> stuff like what that, are you doing so. over there? What? Pay attention. What? We're doing a radio show right now. Did you know that? Yeah. Are you over the plane? What? What are hey, you doing? I was just interjecting. Uh, and so I could segue into my next question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that drunk. <laughs> hey. Okay. Now I'm, I'm going to give you a task. You ask her this question. And I, I'm oh, gonna. Oh no! <laughs> and well, I'm, I'm gonna I run to, to the I fridge and get a beer and come back. I and I see. I, and oh, I expect so you two I'm to at. still be talking when I get yeah. back. Yeah, sure, I will. Okay. So, so Adam can go get a drink. I'm gonna... The question is, where and how do you come across photos and sources for articles? Is it just, you know, do you network or do you do searching? Yeah, I mean, do people put this stuff up online and you just happen to run across them? Or how does that work exactly? I've, most, a lot of my images, I'm like the Atari ones where the girl, I make my own images. I'm an awesome layout person. I got to oh, nice. say that. So you have a background um, I in search kind for, of design? I taught myself. Yeah, I taught myself. I knew it, it was a skill that I kind of needed because I looked at everybody else's articles and I saw them all using the same photos. And I went, I don't want to do that. You know, I, I want to be more creative. I'm kind of, a, I'm a creative person anyway. I'm a musician. I, 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 I paint, I write, I, I can construct. I, I just kind of have a kind of a creative mind. So I go looking for them too. Um, I find, God, I find them anywhere that I can. If I have to use one, you know, that other people have seen, then it happens sometimes. Right. But for the most part, no, I go looking for them. I actually won't write an article if I can't find proper images or have proper images. Kind of anal about that. Do you try to do the article first and then the image or the other way around? Oh, no, it happens either way. Like, I just found an awesome uh, photo of some guys playing asteroids in a 7-Eleven that nobody's ever seen. And that kind of like made me want to, to write a story around the photo. Other times I'll have a concept for something that I want to write and I'll write that and hope I can find the photos. And if not, I'll like make my own art for it or like kind of create my own thing. Mm. But, but normally, yeah, it's usually an image that inspires me. Some kind of visual more than kind of really visual about things. Can you give us a, like any, uh, like a sneak peek of something that you may be working on now? Hmm. Other than the asteroids thing. Yeah, right. I, I, I've been thinking about doing this kind of like dark-sided, like kind of the arcade underground, telling some of the crazier, more bizarre stories that have happened in, in you know, the arcade scene, you know, from the beginning to probably now. I've been kind of well, thinking about a, writing some of the darker tales, the crime tales. 
we had a well we had an aladdin's castle traveling manager on the show who had uh, oh my god you know, there was a prostitution ring happening in one of the Aladdin castles that he... <laughs> yeah, I was going to write about that. I actually know about that. I know about the, the mass murder that happened in one, too. I was oh, like no. kind of like, trip. you didn't know about that? Yeah. There's oh, a no. lot. Aladdin's castle has some pretty creepy history behind it that nobody's ever told. It shows up in newspaper articles all the time. And I understand why some people don't want to tell them because they're not pleasant stories. But it is part of arcade history. It's part of kind of what forced arcades out and forced the ordinances. So it is yeah. an important part. You know, it's completely. A, it's there isn't actually an Aladdin's castle in Houston, Texas, I think, that had a shooting and it closed it. That's what caused it to close down. Oh, oh, nice. The one you're talking nice. About. Yeah, they used a knife. Uh huh. And killed every employee inside it. Yeah. Ugh. For 500 bucks. I'm just like, God. Yeah, there was some crazy stuff happening in the 80s. With arcades, it's kind of what helped force them out too. They just weren't properly managed, and I don't know. I would tell you, it, that. it's it's more more to the story than that. It's, it depends on the state. But. Yeah, and my, right. my Aladdin's castle was really benign. You know, I, it was in Burnsville Center, and then Chuck E. Cheese was just down the road, and those were my those those were my spots. Showbiz was about the. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Show, showbiz was about the scariest place, you know, to Burnsville, go. Burnsville, the the. Slice of Americana for sure, but Houston a little bit more ghetto. Actually, uh, our Chuck E. Cheese had um, mm -hmm. a teenage nightclub attached to it called Widgets. Oh, like all ages, like disco. Exactly. <laughs> it was it, it it was very short lived because nobody had money. The teenagers did not have money to to buy enough, you know, pop or soda, you know, and and to right you know, to keep the place going. So they basically had like this weird you know nightclub for teenagers that just i can't imagine that, that at, was that asteroid six flags asteroid where i live so since you were already in the park there was the arcade and then the little all the little club but i have you know i'd actually a long time ago looked for the trouble is nobody was taking pictures when they were at the arcade there's very few Photos. You couldn't. There were one ten instamatic. What are you gonna do? I Use know, a flash. It's, like, it's gonna look stupid. I know when people go, "How come there's no pictures of this guy playing this arcade back in the day?" Because you really couldn't. <laughs> you couldn't. It wasn't like selfie it was city expensive. like it is today. Yeah, yeah. it was like thirty bucks, bucks equivalent now to yeah. Oh, totally. Well, to well, yeah, to develop it. Yeah, and then you didn't know if you were even getting a clear picture back then because you couldn't. It didn't have you know. Like a digital camera now, where you can see your picture beforehand. I you love, like I love that. And pray and shoot. I just love that because, <laughs> yeah. like, you even even in Iris photos, you you get these shots of people, and that well, he was probably hitting the shutter more than you know with his film because you know, he's a professional. But I love the photos where you have somebody looking up to the left, you know, not paying attention at all, or you know, uh -huh. these bright eye shine pictures and just just terrible photo like if you had only 24 chances to take a, a photo and 36 sometimes it. you could do the, the 36 later on yeah you could do that i did that in college when i was a photographer i was actually a chief photographer in college so 24 but uh, yeah, the, the, 24 pictures 30 bucks in developing right. and you get one photo that works <laughs> the struggle was real back then <laughs> it was <laughs> oh my gosh! It's funny because Adam and I were Adam and I were just talking. We both got this that that they had a instant camera that you could put floppies in in like 2000 or something. Yeah, and we, so we both owned that as soon as you know as soon as I could have like 
an unlimited amount of images that I could digitally you know photograph like i was walking around with floppy disks in my pocket all day long it was no, the, wait a minute Were there is a camera you can put a floppy disk in i oh, had yeah. no idea yeah it's a mavica mavica oh, F- how long did that last like a month no no it's terrible <laughs> it, it was it, it's the mavica fd 73 it was a 0.3 megapixel camera because it couldn't do even a full Ooh. full megapixel <laughs> and they came and it, you put floppy disks in it it was awesome so you could, you know, like back back when it was probably two thousand when that thing came out, you could buy floppy disks everywhere still. So you go to Walmart. Yeah, I remember that. You, you know, mean like the, the standard size floppy disk? Three, three and, three and a half inch. Yep. I had no idea. Oh, that wasn't the first disk camera though. The first disk camera was made by Kodak and it was called the Disk Camera. Remember D I S C? They had camera? a little round, those were little round discs yeah. that went in it, right? Yeah. I remember those. That looked like a Viewmaster kind of Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it was like, I remember those. It was like, yeah. a, a, it was like one, t- it was almost like 110 film, but it was, it was like a cross between. Was, yeah. yeah, but it was so small and it was grainy. I mean. Yeah, it was. I had one. I loved that thing, but terrible pictures. Wow. But not digital. Yeah, they, they, they didn't take good pictures. No, the true digital cameras, they really have been a lifesaver to anybody who likes to take pictures, wow. I think. Yeah. I think they opened up photography to people who normally wouldn't have even explored the medium. Oh, yeah, my ex-wife I was I still like film, that. though. Mm-hmm. I like film, and I really love old photos, so I love old Polaroids, if you can find them. Me, too. Neat. Guess what? The color is rich, and that whole thing about them falling apart and fading after 20-something years... I still have ones taken of me in the 70s that are, that are just as clear as the day they were taken. Yeah. So I don't know where that comes from where people say that they fade. I actually have in my office here a pack of unused still? Polaroid film. Is it from that party? Oh, dude, from that no party way. From we... the S- what? Yep. I'm waiting to use it. Next next arcade party, it's getting put into the you camera. You SX-70 film? Is that what you said? It's Polaroid film. Yeah, the SX-70, right? I don't know. You put it in and it takes pictures. Hold on. I'm Googling SX-70 because we're You mean from a land camera? From a land camera where it shoots the film, you know, really the self-developing stuff? It's Yeah. Color 600 film. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's SX-70, I think. That's killer. How did you get... What? Well... I didn't think they made that stuff anymore. They don't. You have to pay a bunch of money on eBay to get it. Oh, I figured. Yeah. You know, you can get anything. Well, out good of it. for you. When we we used it a couple, two or three years ago, and it took forever. Like it came out of the camera, and it took like fifteen minutes for it to develop because it was so old and it was terrible. Oh, but it smells cool. Did you smell it? It smells that that but smell the, like oh, taking back to the seventies. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what what is it rubbing alcohol on this film? It's real weird. What's it's formaldehyde. That smell. It? I oh, think you're God. smelling formaldehyde. It has formaldehyde in it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that explains. Don't it. lick it. <laughs> Don't lick it. <laughs> oh my God. Those weren't those. God, everything was unhealthy back then that we played with that was normal. <laughs> Gives you cancer. <laughs> no, I know. Everything. <laughs> Polaroid film so, oh, and everything. <laughs> so so Mark, Mark asked, where, where where did you come across your photos and sources and such things like that? I think we had one question from the audience. Did that get asked? Yeah, Dave from Buffalo asked, what are your three most recent arcade game acquisitions? Well, you know what? It's been a while since there's been a new one. Probably... I'd have to say it was Magical Spot from Universal. Oh, wow. Punch Out. Punch out. Okay. And, God, I, that that's probably the most recent. Hmm. 
Sweet. What? What's your most uh, like memorable arcade game acquisition? Like, did you go into what's a your house favorite? with like, a creepy person or? Everyone's been a creepy person. Are you kidding? <laughs> Are you serious? Oh yeah, they're really clean cut people in the arcade world. Or you meet some real characters. I mean, not that they're bad, but did, it's like. Did you meet anybody Twilight that Zone was? Um... You can walk into the Twilight Zone just yeah every day. You know when you're out looking. Did you um, meet, did you meet anybody that I think the creepiest, ran a meth lab? The creepiest one. The creepiest one was um, probably uh, this old church that had a game in it. And the guy, like, who left the games there had, like, hung himself there. Oh. Not that he was there when I was there. But I'm just saying, he had committed suicide. And the only reason why we got his games, people were getting his games, was because of that. And so it was kind of weird to kind of walk in there and know that that's why you were getting them. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Kind of creepy. Creepy. <laughs> yeah. Um, makes you kind of not want them. <laughs> that, is, that is not good. That's no, that's bad. I've seen other things. I, I've seen games that have rats nests inside them that are just phenomenal. I, you I know, Donkey I, I'm sure you've seen me. that. Yeah, I got three Donkey Kong cabinets. Well, I mean, like a, a versus and a Donkey Kong three and a Donkey Kong. And in literally in all three in the exact same place up in the marquee, there was a beautiful rat's nest that had been produced. <laughs> It's and always it in the top by the marquee too. It's never down. Yeah, it's never down below. They do it up in the in the top. That's where yeah, I would do it. It's always there. It's like maybe they can see through that somehow, or like what is it? Like is that where the the best place is? I don't know. Probably. It must be. I, there's something ideal about it too, because that's they don't do it down below. Why do it's we build? Why why do we build tree I houses? I don't know. Why do we build tree houses? <laughs> you know. What you do a study where they. Put ten Nintendo machines in a room, and you know, fifteen mice, and see what they do. I'm serious, or maybe you should ask someone who sees it a lot of times. I don't know if you guys know John Exidy. Oh Jam yeah. Shit. You should get him on here to talk about some of his crazy stories about the stuff that he's found in arcade games, or mm. some of the observations that he's made because he he sees a lot of it because he sees it every day. You know, mm. different different stuff. He'd be a really good person on here. All right, so Dave from Buffalo has another question. He says, are you married? No, I'm just kidding. He, he's already married. So he says, Cat uh, has a great collection, which we have not asked you about yet. So before we ask that. Yeah, it's it's a lot. You lose count after a while. You know, um, it's around, I think, 86 or 87. It's got to be somewhere around there. You know, after a while, you know, when you when you saw them, like there's, like, there's a ton in the garage, like a two, like, Bay garage it's pretty big and they're just lined up mm -hmm. it's like after a while you just really can't count them anymore mm -hmm. i wish they weren't like that but i think there's 42 or 32 or something like that in the house which is cool yeah but are you near some them people like huh are you near them right now <laughs> yeah they're 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 all over yeah are you are yeah, you they're like arranged i mean where you where you can see i mean they're like, like thrown everywhere they're like artfully displayed i think most people do that a lot of people are lucky that they have outdoor like hangers that they've like built that mm. they have the land to do that. And, and I'm really envious of that. The people that have these like whole areas that they can walk in and take you into this hangar where they're all like, you know, like all their little private bays and whatever. That's cool. But I think your average collector just kind of displays what they can in their house and then they have a stash. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, I think that's kind of the best way to kind of keep them because you're really preserving them when you do that. Rather than constantly moving them and knocking them around and okay, we're dying like to know that. of the forty that are in there right now. Just name as many as you can off the top of your head right now. 
Oh, jeez. Defender, <laughs> Punch Out, Dig Dug, Centipede, Gapless, Galaxian, Galaga, Pac Man, oh, God, Sinistar, Sinistar, Tron, uh, Star Castle. You're going to make me just go through all the, all the big ones. You just keep going. Keep yeah. going. We just want to know. Oh, my God. And keep going to God. Uh, uh, Ghosts and Goblins, Ghouls and Ghosts. Uh, what's that one? Oh, God. I have to go through all the lines. You hear all of them have to get up and walk through the house. <laughs> that's crazy. You guys are crazy. <laughs> well, that's... Um, what, um, okay, so you don't have to do that, but it okay. gives us an idea of what you got going on there. So a lot of classic titles. That's awesome. Um. And Andy Baldwin asks, "Are they in alphabetical order?" <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but there's a, there is a guy that has done that. Oh, really? Oh. Some guy in Texas has done that. Oof. He like has like like I said a hanger. Someone told me about him and that he's got them all alphabetized, oh. and he's got like something like four hundred of them. That's amazing. All right, so we have yeah. one. We have one more question from the chat, and I think we'll wrap up the show for tonight. This will be a good one to end on, I think. Um, Cat has a great collection, but with money as no object, what do you want? What game oh, would you really want? There's a lot. <laughs> I'd like to have every, I like Universal. I know people don't like to play them. I like the way they look and I love the artwork on them. Um, every one of those, like every one of those, um, what's that one that was really, was a Sundance? They said there was only a few made, mm -hmm. has the most spectacular art on it even though it's kind of rudimentary it's still very cool with the little flames on the front you know which game i'm talking about is that it was like only one found and it was found in some like mining town or something. was was tony and temple involved no but he's written about it i was going to write about it but then i knew that he was sundance yeah, that's a great story about that and all these people started fighting over it and oh. it's crazy that's a beautiful. But yeah, it's very rare. Beautiful. Cabinet. I would love to have one of those. It's a lovely, lovely game. I want a Gravatar. I know people say they're not rare. You don't see them anywhere. I love the artwork on that one. Sure. Um, even though it's a conversion, I like Black Widow. I love the artwork on that one. Yeah. Don't see them. You don't see them. Not not with the original conversion art. You see a lot of them that are that have brand new art. The colors are wrong. Sure. Oh. I've never seen one with the correct colors. I love that you want the original game untouched. Like, oh yeah, you know, it's like you <laughs> you want to connect to that aesthetic. And some of us have taken, uh, have made great, you know, have have no words for describing how they wanted to, you know, restore a game. But it, some of us have gone to great lengths to bring these games back to their out of box glor glory, right? Um, some and. and I am. I have a mixed bag in my house, so like my tempest is really untouched. I got it. So it's fine. Uh, the cor the mm. corner was broken off. Somebody glued it back on, but otherwise it's in really great shape. Uh, it's complete. It, it it looks gorgeous. I've I've repaired the monitor and all that sort of thing, but the the artwork is original. The the marquee is original. Everything's original. And and that's really fun to have the, that game, you know. Some games have been damaged where they need to be brought back, in my opinion, you know. Water damage, yeah. If you can fix it, you see a lot of them now with water damage because a lot of newer people get them. Mm -hmm. And I think they, they're not in it for the long haul, and I think they don't store them right or or they don't realize just what can go wrong when water gets on them if you don't get it off. Right. But, uh, yeah. 
turning that around is, is almost impossible sometimes if you get a lot of swelling. So there are people who do turn it around. I don't know how they do it or what their filler they're using, but they're doing something. I just don't have any like that. I wouldn't want any like that, but there are people who will buy them because they're a good price. Okay. Dave says <laughs> one other question. Gosh, what is, Dave. He's, he's busy tonight. He's busy. I know. So this is awesome. <laughs> what is the most you've spent on a game? No cost needed, but what was the game? Jeez, most? Yeah. What game did you spend the most money on in your collection? It was probably Robotron. Really? Like a upright 2084, you know, all good? Yeah. It was hard to find them in really good shape. I agree. It's still it, was either that, it was either that or it was Sinistar. Yeah, it's funny because... Sinistar's immaculate. About 10 years ago, I bought, I bought a Robotron cocktail, and I still have it. I mentioned it on the show. I've never seen one in a cocktail. It's pretty cool. I know that they're out there. I think that, I think there's just about every title in a cocktail. You just don't see them. But yeah. yeah, I've never seen that. I paid seven um, seven hundred dollars for that thing. So, but it, I think really, it's it, you know, in the Pacific Northwest a few years ago, it it was you can get any game for three hundred dollars. The most you'd ever pay is like eight hundred because there were so many here because it's the West Coast. Yeah, you know, Pacific. Yep, Robotron was hard. Robotron was hard to find. Period here, and then to have a cocktail pop up, you know, with with new old cool. new old stock, because wow. um, it had been converted to some like um, you know military game. So I can't remember what it was, but but the guy uh, the guy Andre, he's local. He converted it back and put a new old stock uh, CPOs on it, which are Plexi. They're really cool. And uh, he brought it back to its original glory. So, all new wiring harness. Oh wow! Original boards. Oh, know. that's cool. I bet it's beautiful looking. You know, you just don't see. There's not a lot of games out there. I don't know if you look through Craigslist once in a while or anything like mm, that. Absolutely. There's no games coming up. It's like someone's either hoarding them or it's the barcades. All the new barcades opening up and and buying everything up. And the prices are sky high. They are right now. Like on, on Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad to see that. And the reason why I'm glad to see that is again, here's the purist talking. That means that many more noobs who don't know what they're doing, aren't going to buy them and screw them up. Right. You know, make a multicade out of them. No offense to you multicade people out there, but come on, man, build a, <laughs> learn to build a cabinet. Yeah. Please. Yeah. It kills me. But it, it, the higher the price goes, I think the, the, I don't know. People care about them more, and you have to pay, you know, for something. Don't well, you think? Yeah, I totally agree. You have agree. to pay a lot for something. You're going to take care of it, right? <laughs> well, the chatters uh, agree. Uh, it, you've been a great guest, and I want to say thank you for being on the show. It's been an honor to have you on the show. Oh, thanks for having me here. We oh, were on so here a long good. time. Yeah. Well, you know, it that's boring. It's kind of <laughs> it, it's kind of fun. You know, it's just we have a conversation. You know, we, we make a you know we have our game in the middle of it. We have s- some arcade news that was fun today. So you know, and I think we kept it real. And you know what? I think people people need to check out your site more. So give us your um, your your digits again for the website. It, it's just Retro Bitch. Look it up on at Google. WordPress. Yep, oh, yeah, that's where I'm at. And I probably should change that to make it a little bit more accessible. People don't seem to have trouble finding me. So no, I love. I never I, bothered. Seriously, if you have not been there, you, you it, it's worth the read. It's an it's um I say it's an easy read, but that's because you you make it uh, easy to read. I think uh, oh, there there's a lot of um, journalists out there who who write. There's a lot of people that have uh, that want to express things, maybe not as articulately. Uh, it's one of the reasons why we had Tony Temple on the show. It's one of the reasons why we had you on the show. 
uh, and we want to continue to do that. So um, hopefully we'll be able to have you on again, um, you know, in the near future. So that'd be, that'd be fantastic. I would love to. And um, I would love to come back. But, you know, um, this is, this is what we do. Little arcade radio action here. That's the double R's arcade radio.com. And you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on iTunes. But apparently I need to update the feed for that. <clears throat> right, Mark? And um, I'd help you if I could. I would do it. <laughs> let's, get let's let's talk. I'll give you the login. And yeah. then we have SoundCloud, um, which is really what you need to log into. And then um, we're on Google Play, so we're kind of on all the things. But you know, join us anytime. You can email us. You can text us six one two five four eight G A M E game. And um, we look forward to seeing you on the next show. Hopefully, Whitney Roberts will join us to talk a little bit about. Skyskipper, so that'll be rad. And until then, this has been Arcade Radio. We're signing off. Gnarly, dude. That was a good time. I'm gonna dance. (laughs) Who wrote this song? He's a genius. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like it was made with Apple Loops. You still have your pants on? I do. I'm eyeing my sweat, so they're like so close. You guys are actually taking your pants off? Well, no. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I wouldn't put it past you. This is, this is the part of the show where Mark takes his pants off. I mean, just the pants. I'm still wearing something underneath. Come on. That's true. <laughs> Isn't it snowing in Minnesota? Uh, it is not. It's not. It's just cold as hell. Or cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice your love. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs>